hey, Pat, I'm feeling hungry. You want to go to Denny's? I do. Need a big plate of hash droids. It'd be good if I could also play some Atari-themed <laughs> games. These are Denny's Atari games, one of the most asked about segments to do on the Best of the CU podcast. This is humorous. Uh... It's humorous partially for the outrage, that the, the, the full outrage that was caused online. So Atari went bankrupt in 2013, right? Okay, they're crawling out of bankruptcy. And they tried to sell off their portfolio of over 200 games, and they couldn't do it. No Why? Buy. Why? Because when you think of Atari, a lot of... this is I find this happens in the store all the time, okay? When people are like, oh yeah, Atari, like... like Pac-Man in collection. I'm like, no, no, that's, sorry, no. totally different. Um, you just played that on an Atari. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, what are the actual Atari games? You're like, Warlords? Yeah, exactly. Centipede? These are not brands that you can really update and bring into the modern era. They tried. They tried. With Warlord and, and Centipede. I was there at yeah. E3 and, years and ago. And they failed. Yeah. Um, so they tried to sell this these, this portfolio of 200 games, and they couldn't. So, 200 games, including, like, Backgammon? Uh, yeah. And, you know, yeah. What the hell's in there? six versions of Checkers. Um, <laughs> so and Doro? They, they inked this deal with Denny's. Of all Did places. They really? Yes. And they put out a version of Atari Remix that replaces, replaces popular items <laughs> with... With with diner themed foods, so like asteroids becomes asteroids. That's and, hysterical. And you're a ketchup bottle shooting down asteroids, uh, hash brown patties. And this is great. People were like upset about it and like this is defiling video games history. And it's like really, <laughs> really. How fucking closely do you identify with that brand? Okay, like like how much hey, does this really mean? Hey, buddy, to you? break out. Yeah, Breakout's one of them, okay? That, that's a game that I, I haven't played in 30 years, so you watch it, buddy. I, I love Breakout clones, but I haven't played in, in Centipede, and I love Centipede. I love Asteroids. You, uh, yeah, and that's fine, but... but there's you know no character to it, or there's no personality to destroy off the, Asteroids. Right, you can't, you can't... It's a fucking triangle. It, it's been so long <laughs> that, that these games have been destroyed by clones and remakes and all sorts of other things a billion times. Most of the time, at the hands of whoever owns the fucking Atari name, which is not really... Which hasn't been Atari since the mid-90s. So, I don't know. I just thought it was amusing that, you know, Denny's... It's, it's fucking Denny's. What is it, off your phone? Yet? Or, is it, or are these in the restaurant? No, or, 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 can I play this right now instead of doing this podcast? I want to play Asteroids, damn it. So, um, this is the greatest thing ever. So people are, just, people are pissed at this? People are like, I'm sad. I'm poor, I can't believe this is happening. It's like, why? This is Companies bankrupt. They need money. They're going to sell anything to anyone, including Denny's. And oh my god, where's, well, where's, where's, they didn't sell the rights away. They're just doing these little what little app games. Yeah, but where's where's the fucking marketing speak on this? The marketing speak on some of this is just oh, it's just beautiful. Um, for whatever reason, it's not showing up on my topic list. So click on the article. And, I'm on the article. Uh, yeah, yes. Yeah, just scroll down a little. Just find yourself some quotes from Denny's or Atari about brands and things and, well, and nostalgia. Here's Atari's press release. <laughs> Inspired by Denny's new Greatest Hits <laughs> Remix menu, which features a selection of the diner's iconic dishes, all with a new culinary spin. Yes, because we can uh, we can spin moons over Miami. Yes, three of Atari's most famous games, and ones only that you know about, by the way, Asteroids, Centipede, and Breakout, have been remixed as Asteroids, Centipop, and Takeout. 
a pup, by the way, would refer to their new uh, uh, pancake pups. That you oh, can get. yeah, okay, mm-hmm. delicious. Delicious with a little powdered sugar. Beyond just a new name, <laughs> the games will feature diner elements such as flying hash browns and syrup bottle shivers. This, this is the best news all year. This is better than Shovel Knight. Oh, God. I don't see it. Who can Yeah, they came out of Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Yeah, yeah they're just doing what this is, Everyone, leave the diary alone. They're just doing what they need to do to feed I their mean, mouths. I mean, Jesus Christ, Atari used to publish games like even Unreal Tournament, right? That was, like, 14 years ago, though. Do you think, do you think that they're getting paid in, like, vouchers for, like, Grand <laughs> Slams? I, I want to see people... I want to go on YouTube now and see people's angry vlogs or vlogs about why this is awful. <laughs> this is ruining the state of classic gaming. Then you should have fucking bought the Centipede Invasion remake, remake game that came out a few years ago, then. Oh, yeah. You should have bought... Uh, you know, I was gonna even say Frogger World Tour, but that's a Konami. That's not even. I can't even think of Atari games. I really can't. I can't think of them, Ian. <sighs> that was funny. Thanks for adding that to the topic list. Beat them and eat them. That's not Atari, though. Well, but if it was, it'd be so perfect. perfect. Whip up the batter, <laughs> beat it, beat it, eat it. There was a huge find. Of video games on the Storage Wars TV show with some dubious pricing that went on. Here, Ian and I talk about that right now on this Best of the Sea podcast. Breaking news, Ian. Yeah. I was alerted to this right before we started recording the podcast. Our favorite reality show, Storage Wars, which we've discussed before with a Nintendo game and video game finds, there was another storage locker of video games that just sold to uh, my uh, pal Renee. Oh, your uh, your favorite your 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 favorite one stop shop at uh, the swap meet. Yeah. He used to come to the swap meet. He's talking about his family. He was very nice in the beginning. He turned bitter and kind of sour after a while. He'll probably tweet at me after this segment, probably. But you know what? I'll fire back if he does. But that's okay. I'm going to try to be objective here. Um, he bought a storage unit for fifteen hundred dollars that they claim had like what was it forty two thousand dollars worth of uh, video game merchandise in it, and they got to that extrapolation after going through some particulars at first that we we saw. We and the problem with with these shows there's there's two problems, is that they don't show you everything when they go through all these boxes. Right. So that's the first problem. So when they're giving these valuations, it's really tough to know if they're right or not for a lot of this stuff. But we did see some ones we can comment on. The other problem is is that I don't know if they're in a rush or that. He had his assistant with him named Fluffy uh, go through some stuff. And I'm not going to get on him in particular if he was wrong on some valuations. But you don't know. You don't. It, it, it's a rush through it, and you don't know. But... And problematically with shows like these, um, especially because they don't show you everything, you see things, a quick valuation is applied, you don't know what's being missed in a box, and this is how, uh, and we've we've gotten on this before, uh, this is how people end up thinking their trash is worth gold. Sure. And the, the other times that video game showed up was with the NES 101 that they thought was worth whatever hundred thousand dollars, what it wasn't. And then when they went the no the, the NES 001 001 is that yeah. what it was. Uh, and then when Daryl went to the, that game store, and then the valuation was we thought at least two to three times more than what it should have been, and that was being generous. Yeah. At the time, so there was a bunch of boxes they found here, 
But the first thing they had was a, like a tub of Genesis games. Um, about I want to say it was about 150 games. Was that, is that yeah? Probably they found they, there was a scat in there too for the NES. There was this, the first thing they find is a scat for the NES with a bunch of Genesis games. I will not say that this stuff is made up, but I think it's strange that the only Nintendo game, the first thing you see on a pile of Genesis games, is a hard-to-find NES game. That said, they found it there. I'm going to assume everything that they found was there and is real. Yeah. But it was weird that that was on top of that. And maybe they transported it over to sort of sweeten that tub and say this is a better tub. But in that tub, they also found a Musha and a Sunset Riders. Um, which is fine. I think the value, well, the valuation is fair for the individual games. Two hundred yeah. for Musha. I think it's a two hundred for Scat. Something and, like that. And fifty for Sunset Riders. That's, on the, that's on the money. The the problem is what giving a three thousand dollar valuation to, to the, the remaining, remaining games. tub. <laughs> and when you look at that tub, you see some commons. You see stuff like Lion King. Real quick. Again, this is flashes of it. Outrun. Uh, Outrun. And these are all loose titles. So these are going to be much less than obviously complete in box. So a $3,000 valuation on about 150 games is $20 each. That's just not possible uh, for that tub. Uh, moving on. This is when Ian's interest really got peaked. Uh, there was a, a box, they said, about 300 Atari games slash some in television games. I think there was an Emerson Arcadia game in there. A lot of them were... Uh, 7,800. 5,200 games. 5,200. I like. I'm a 5,200 fan. Um... Valued at like ten dollars a piece. That's so, that's insane. So 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 he just throws out three thousand dollars for that box because he figures three hundred times ten dollars each for fifty two hundred. I think there's some twenty six hundred games, Aramis and Arcadia, and some miscellaneous games. As you and I know, Ian, selling Atari games loose is one of the, of the hardest things to do to get rid of retro games. Yeah, it's not easy to do, and the higher end. Uh, titles that are uncommon might reach ten, twenty dollars, but the vast majority of Atari games are less than five dollars. Even if you average it out and there is some supreme rarities in there, you're not hitting a ten dollar average per game. Those three hundred Atari games, uh, are mo- slash intelligence, whatever else, are most likely not uh, three thousand dollars. You'd be lucky to get. $800, probably. Yeah, it's hilarious, because that was actually the quote on the nose that I was about You're to You were thinking say. about 800 I was thinking about 800 You get about 250 each, $3, something in that range, and you'd be happy for that. Uh, the, there was a tub of... Uh, we didn't see if there was a TurboGrafx-16 system, but we saw about a stack of 10 Hue Card TurboGrafx-16 games. About 10? I eyeballed 9 yeah. or 10? We'll just say 10. Where it was valued at $500. The one that was visible, though, was World Class Baseball, which is arguably the least valuable Trevor Graphics game after Keith Courage and Alpha Zones. I can't say uh, what was underneath it, but, but, even, but the fact that they were loose, unless those were all extreme heavy hitters, I... I I, you don't know. Yeah. But most likely... I mean, Let's put it this way. If there was a highlight in there that was worth money, and he pulled out a Musha, you think that that person would be like, okay, here's Magical mm. Chase, or, you know, here's even, uh, I don't know, Parasol Stars, or you know what I mean, or, or something like that. It would like have that. had to have been all stuff like Parasol Stars or Shooters. Here's, here's Time Cruise, or some uncommon ones. All right, the next one is really strange, just because it was a flash of... 
them fumbling with about five or four Game & Watches and then saying... 800 a, for the box. 800 for the box. That but, could actually be true because Game & Watches can be worth a lot. The problem with that goes back to what we said about them you don't flashing over stuff. You have no idea what else is in the box. You don't have no idea. I also didn't get to see what Game & Watches they were. Game & Watches can go for a lot, so that could actually be accurate. Could be true. <clears throat> if you have 10 to 20 Game & Watches that are in decent shape... However, $300 for a box containing an NES and some VHS tapes. Okay, we, we made sure that this wasn't like the audio lined up with another visual. Renee leans over a box, has an NES in his hand, flips it, and then there's just VHS tapes underneath. Now, if you want to say there's a, there was a layer of box NES game somewhere there, okay, I can see that, but $300 for an NES by itself and VHS tapes <laughs> that you will be paying people to take from you, I don't see that happening. The next one I thought was the most insane one just because um, it was $2,000 for a box of it looked like 2600 7800 there was I think an, there could have been an Emerson Arcadia there it looked like it looked like the box I see at the flea market every other month where there's a dusty old 2600 and then you have a just uh, uh, 80 Atari games thrown next to it and then the guy wants 40 bucks for all of it and you take it from him. And they said that was $2,000. If you know anything about Atari 700 2600 games, you need almost 2,000 games to get to that valuation of $2,000. It looks like a box I've tripped over numerous times in the back of Luna. <laughs> you know, you, you know, you have your, your classics like uh, Enduro Racer, and, uh, you know, you might get your uncommon one, like your Spectra uh, video or something in there that's worth like 5 or $10, but... Unless they're telling us individually, this one's worth fifty. This is a hundred. This is two hundred dollars for Atari Twenty Six Hundred, which there aren't that many, uh, especially loose. That's not a two thousand dollar box. It ain't. Um, the next one they said fifteen hundred dollars easy. Again, you don't see. I saw like three Tempest Two Thousand Jaguar boxes sitting there. Who the fuck knows what's in there? But with the track record so far, I don't know. A couple other ones. There was a Dusty Turbo Express. Uh, $250 if it's cleaned up and works. It's $250 yeah. at this point in time. And then a Bubble Bobble, Bubble Bobble 2 that had some sort of Famicom adapter on I the bottom. I think it was a Famicom adapter on and the bottom. And they said $500 for that. Is that accurate for a loose Bubble Bobble 2 this day and age? I couldn't even tell. Well, I'll look it up right now. Or a certain NES guide app could do it uh, for you. But not even close. Okay, so this because I feel like we sold a, a like a perfect boxed complete one for about that maybe six months to a year ago. That was unreasonable for one that had the box. So let's see, two hundred and eighty uh, for a real real one, two hundred and eight dollars. Tons of repros, three forty. Okay, it's not close to that amount, that price valuation. Uh, three forty six, two twenty seven. So we're you know if you average it out we'll just say about three hundred dollars. Yeah, no, okay. I was gonna say a boxed one I think uh, the the complete one went for about five hundred. So do you see a danger in these wild valuations? Yeah, like I said, this is what causes. Uh, well, a when you look at something like Atari, it causes grandmas to go into their attic and see things worth uh, think that yeah. things are worth them. But it also uh, this is what causes the market to spike on things that didn't have that value before. The issue with the Atari games in particular is that even if you wanted to get max value for 
the Atari 2600 games that aren't worth that that amount of money, the market for Atari 2600 collector is probably 10% or less of an NES collector or right. a Sega Genesis collector. It's so, our pals at Atari age. It's our pals at Atari age. Hey, Atari so, age! So when you're giving these wild valuations that, from my, from my expertise, Renee, are off for 90% of these, that would even be for pie in the sky if you took your time to collate them, go through them, price them accordingly, and then throw them on eBay with high buy nows and wait for people to pull the trigger. Not pricing to sell at a convention just to get rid of them, not selling them as a set to get rid of them quickly and recoup some money. The maximum dollar amount when you value video games is based upon usually buy it nows off of eBay that have went. That's the environment that you're placing them on. Not a store environment necessarily, which could be higher or lower, but you could hold on to it. And it but it also doesn't account for the time it's, it's going to take for you to go through those individual games. So when he says... Time is money. When he says those 300 Atari games is worth $3,000 somehow at $10 a piece, any person that... Any collector that looks at a box of 300 Atari games might say, I'll give you four or $500 for that box. And a reasonable businessman might say, okay, take it. Especially if my investment into this whole unit is only $1,500. Now, I'm a third of the way uh, recouping that cost. Right, exactly. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of problems with this. Well, the other problem is, too, especially if you look at something like Atari, um, I've noticed two markets for Atari collecting right now. You have 15 and 16-year-old kids who think it's just kind of neat who don't have the money to pay an inflated price on Atari games at, you know, 10, 15 bucks a piece. They're interested in it because they can get the games for two, three bucks a piece, a dollar. And then you have the people at Atari age who have the games that they want. So who are you moving them to? And then the other, the, the end of it, to get the, the total valuation of the entire unit, he said, well, there's 30 more boxes there, like $150 each, that adds like $30,000, whatever the hell he said. We don't know what's in those boxes. We don't know if they're video games, because a lot of the other shit they show were like VHS tapes, some of them, so we have no idea. It could be more, but it could be less. I mean, it's just, it's a random guess. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. And now we have our thrilling conclusion for you of the uh, Ian Stalker story, the Stalker story part two. Uh, There is no part three. Well, there is, but it's it's anticlimactic here. Yeah. So, but enjoy part two of the Stalker story on the Best of the CU podcast. Uh, at Niemla, hey, Karen. Hey, Karen. Contributor to Ultimate Nintendo God in Library. I've heard Ian may perhaps might have a little more time to make video content. Will we see Ian's happy handhelds? So I left his bathroom. And I confronted him, right? And I asked him, why is there ranch dressing in your bathroom? Okay? I asked him. And he had no fucking answer for me, okay? He had no he had, he had no answer as to why it was there. It was just something that was there, and it made perfect sense to him that it should be there, okay? Uh-huh. Okay, so I sat back down on the bed, right? 
and and he wanted to play uh, Fantasy Star Online for the GameCube. And I think his intention was to sit there and beat the whole game. Okay. Okay. But we put it on, and and the bottom his TV cut off a large portion of the bottom of the screen, so I couldn't even see what I did. It was not adjusted. It, it was just. It was just. Yeah, it wasn't adjusted okay. properly at all. Okay. And uh, so so I can't even play the fucking game properly because the split screen's just not working right. Uh-huh. And there's a lot of like not talking going on, and it's. It's uncomfortable. Are, are you sitting directly next to him? I'm right next to him on, on his a, bed. On, a, on his bed. On his bed. I'm right next to him on his was bed. It, was the, the bed? There was, there was no other. Was, se- there was no other seat. Was the bed made? Uh, yeah, it was made. Oh, it was, was made. It was made. It was clean soft. Sheets. Yeah, okay. it was made. It was made. It was clean sheets. Tw- twin size? Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Probably now, twin. I don't remember if I ever asked about uh, talked about the part where he asked um um if I preferred light or dark rooms, and he had like a storm curtain hanging. Like it was like it was like a fucking heavy blanket that was just one of those hang- blacked out. It was curtains? just hanging. Was just like actually, yeah. just a and he walked over and was like, uh, "Ian, you do you prefer light or, or or dark rooms?" And I was like, hey, "Light, light would be great. Light would be fucking fantastic." So after we played these games for a little while, okay. he um he goes he goes to me um he goes, "I made a video game about you. Would you like to see it?" I was like, yo, so we can play, like, anything else that this you want a, on your this show. This is a momentous uh, birthday party. Lots of stuff yeah, going on. Fetal position, ranch dressing, inside the bathroom. And now, uh, the revelation that someone made a video, video game, game about, about me. You. So, so I, I, I really tried to push the issue that maybe we should... Um, we should probably just keep playing video games, right? Sure. Okay. Play, play some shooter action. <laughs> play some, just, just, play, just put off the inevitable. So uh, I, I couldn't put it off any longer, and uh, he had made um, uh, uh, a, a mini RPG. No, 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 back up, back up. How did he reveal this to you? Like, okay, come sit down. Let me show you this. Like, I want to walk through the process, but just don't make it any harder for me, okay? He made an RPG, uh, okay. a, a short uh, one about me using RPG Maker okay. on the PlayStation One. Okay. Okay. All right. So we had it saved. He booted it so, up. So it's saved to a memory card. Okay. okay. Now, I want you to remember, when it comes to RPG Maker, uh, you can't... Um, there is no keyboard support. You have to hunt and peck every little bit of dialogue into the window. <clears throat> so this was after I had uh, broken up with my, my uh, girlfriend at the time. And uh, he made an RPG about me. And about him as my sidekick, and we were gonna go get me back together with my girlfriend. Okay, you had revealed to him that you'd broken up way before that. Yep, yep, he knew about this. So mistake number one. Um, now, now when he uh, in the game, he uh, he starts off. I, I, I'm a character, and he's a character, and he's uh, he's a bunny girl. <laughs> But he's going by his actual name, and I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm just not gonna repeat it. Um, so his character is literally the sprite of like the stereotypical '90s Japanese bunny girl, high heels, like the yes. casino outfit, the ears, yeah. right? Okay. So I am way dominant, like and aggressive in this RPG, and like he's totally subservient, and it's just <laughs> fucking blowing my mind, and it's way too fucking weird because it's like oh, it's, it's like he never knew me. So I'm like. <laughs> You gotta come with me and get your shit into shape and we're gonna go. And he's like, but, but, and I cast a spell on him and it turns him back into himself, but himself is a fucking monkey. He's a monkey. And, and, and the text on the screen was, no, I wasn't done being a bunny girl. I wanted to keep playing with my, and then the text cuts off. 
well, there's lots of there's a lot of shit going on here. There's a lot of in this, <laughs> lot of outs, a lot of facets to this a, fucking there's problem. A, there, there's a lot, there's so, a lot of psychological so, there's a lot of psychological problems here. He wanted to keep touching himself, but he wanted to fuck me. We'll get to that more. We'll get, we'll get to that more later. Hold on, hold on, hold on. So, so, so. Anyway, we go through the rest of this RPG. The story's not all that spectacular. We get to the end. I'm dominant male. He's subservient male. I'm trying to get this girl to go back out with me because I'm the strong fucking hero. My jaw is on the floor the whole time. I can't fucking handle it. We finish it, and it's at this point, it's at this point that things just start breaking in my head. Just things start snapping. I'm no longer functioning or thinking properly, or no, no, nothing's, nothing's happening in a way that's good. Okay? Nothing, I mean, nothing's good. Nothing's good in my world. So, we finish that. No, we finish that. It's finished, Pat. We finished that. That's done. Okay? It was about 15 minutes in length. He did a lot you're of hunting talking, and packing. You're talking about the art style, the enemies, the items. It's all sprites. Just load up RPG Maker. He used stock assets. Okay? All right? What? Okay? Okay? Okay. <laughs> all right? <laughs> you just glanced over. You said you wanted to have sex with me or molest Hold on. We're getting, we're getting to this. Around this point, I made it very clear that I wasn't... Uh, oh, by the way, I'm, I'm probably going to have to go soon. And I think I mentioned this in the, 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 prior, uh, the prior talk. Uh, um, he, he expected me to sleep over that night. I didn't, I didn't want to sleep over. I was like, no, 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 I'm not sleeping over. Um, pajama party. Pajama sleepover. Party. But, uh, you know, we were going to have dinner and things like that. And he asked me. He uh, dropped another bombshell on me. Oh, I made a comic about you. Would you like to see it? I mean, I'm trapped at this point. I feel like I'm going to get fucking knifed at any point if I say the wrong thing. So I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> kind of like flustered up. And he goes, oh, well, <coughs> I made a comic about you. I'm going to try to remember this as perfectly as I can, okay? He loads it up on his computer. He loaded it on his PC. Okay. Okay? He took a lot of pictures of me at work. Wait, what? He took pictures of me at work. <laughs> pictures? Pic incognito pictures? Of me behind the, the, the did, desk, working on the computer. Did he know? Did you know that these were being taken? Uh, uh, I, I think I saw him take, like, a couple, and I was like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I just <laughs> took a picture. I'm like, okay, that, don't. <laughs> this is in the old Voltaire store. This is the old, this is the old Voltaire store. Did he take them, like, over, like, the, he's, like, <laughs> over the corner? So there's, like, four panels, right? And once again, he's putting me in this completely weird, like personality that I, I'm not. First panel is me sitting behind the computer. Man, I'd really like to get some ass tonight. Like it, like bubbles? or and like a bubble. In a, okay, and, bubble. And a, and a bubble above this Man, picture. Man, I'd really, really like to get, get some, some ass, ass tonight. tonight. Words I've never heard you utter and probably never will. I'll just go on this dating site and have my pick. Third panel. Oh, yeah, this chick. <clears throat> says that uh, it was something like says that she's really into anime, loves video games, totally my type. Which, by the way, people, you don't. This is a common misconception among among some people. You you don't chase after someone who's exactly like you. That's no fun. Uh, hope she's got big tits or something like that. 
Did it actually say that said for or something like that? So, so no, I mean I'm saying it said okay. it was like something like that, and it's like it was like click, okay. The last panel, the last panel is me with my head in my hand. I don't know how he got it. Maybe when I realized that he was taking pictures, goes, oh, it's just Max again, implying that Max was making. I said his name. I said his name. Implying that this person was making uh, profiles to bait me on dating sites. So, so anyways, <coughs> I get a phone call around this time, right? I pick it up. It's my ex, okay? Now, Trig and, and, <coughs> and my ex have been texting me this whole fucking time, okay? Making sure that I'm alive and I'm okay. And she calls and she goes, how you doing? And I'm like, right now I'm not so good. How are you? And she's like, oh, I just got punched in the throat by a crackhead. Because she was working at the, uh, the Starbucks on 30th Street when it was there. I'm like, oh my god, are you okay? And she's like, oh, I'm totally fine. I'm more concerned about you. Uh, she's like, actually, uh, do you need a ride? I'm like, yeah, I need a ride. I need a ride right now. She's like, okay, cool, because I'm going to use this as an excuse to come pick you up. Okay? So she says that she's going to be there. And she's going to come get me. And I'm okay. just fucking counting down the minutes. She's like, give me 20 minutes. I'm like, okay. And I'm like, Max, I got to go. My my friend just got fucking punched in the throat by a crackhead. Which and, sounds like a better time, by the way. And, and he, he goes, oh, are you sure you got to leave so soon? We haven't even had dinner yet. And I'm like, yeah, I, I got to go. My, my friend was assaulted on the job. And I mean, I, I have to go make sure she's okay. Like, she wants to be around someone right now. Like, that's assault. Okay, I mean, okay, all right, good, so great. So, she gets there to pick me up, and I'm like, okay, I gotta go. And he's like, okay, well, I'll walk you out the door. And as we're walking out the door of the old boarding house... (laughs) The one with the Cyclops eye in the door, by the way. Yeah, I turn and I look at the mom, and I go, Bye! Nice to meet you. She goes, oh, you're not sticking around for dinner? I'm like, sorry, something came up with my friend. She was attacked at work. And out of nowhere, he goes, no, mom, he just thinks your cooking's gonna fucking suck. And I was like, no, no, no. Whoa, no, that's not what I said at all. Okay, I gotta go by. So I burst out the front door and I go walking towards the car as fast as I can. And as I come walking towards the car, fetal, fetal man, Clay, comes walking around with a, position clay. With, with, with a bag of groceries going, oh, Ian, taking off so soon. And I'm like, yep, sorry, I gotta go. And I got in the car and I went immediately to Luna <laughs> where I was shaking more than this. And I retold the story to Treg and Bonnie. And uh, yeah, Karen, I do um, maybe have some free time now and maybe you'll see some videos from me in the future. that you wrap it up so many unanswered questions still was the mom upset was max uh saying that to piss off ian make him look uncomfortable or did he really hate his mom and figured i'd just extra jab him so many unanswered questions stay tuned next time in 2018 for the next revelation part three of the Max the Stalker story. Oh, oh, wait a second. Hold on. Oh, wait, well, there's going to be parts where Ian's running back. No, 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 no
there, there was a part three. There is going to be a part three. No, uh, we're just going to have it out right now. No, 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 no. no. You, you sure? I'm just, I, well, perhaps I will expound upon it. Um, months later, after all this, I, I received a breakup note from him. A legitimate breakup note. That's going to be part three. I, I still have it. It's in a DS case. You're going to bring that? Okay. And that'll be part three, and we'll see you. Don't go to any birthday parties. All right. Well, Ian's he, done uh, metaphysically, physically, mentally. He walked off the podcast. We discuss collecting a lot on the CU podcast, and no topic was more fun to follow for me, I think, than uh, Tim Atwood and his sealed cases of games and how they shook up the collecting uh, scene. We're going to take a look back at that on the Best of the CU podcast. Time for a retro gaming topic. Boy, is my smile at ear to ear. Yeah, this is pretty good. Is this good. something I've not been talking about for years? Oh, we've about both the, been talking about The possibility about this. of this coming to light. And it, it fucking happened. And it happened. It's been confirmed via my favorite website, Nintendo Age, you on the forums. Atari- oh, not Atari Age. Nintendo Age. Nintendo Age, my favorite website. Totally different. Totally different. So there is a collector. His name is Tim Atwood. Those in the know, I hadn't heard him before, so I'm not in the know. I'm not one of those elite collectors. I'm, I'm a tier below. You are. Uh, definitely. Um, his name's Tim Atwood. He doesn't really post often on Nintendo Age. In fact, his first post was in this was in this thread. But he's a big-time collector. He's been collecting since the 90s. He's what I call the first generation of game collectors, video game collectors, especially Nintendo collectors. I, I'm, me and you are like second generation, like late 90s. First generation was like early to mid-90s. When they were getting shit from stores that were still, like, uh, rental stores that were still there or closing, yeah. or even uh, local distributors or toy stores that still had new old stock there, and clearing them out and getting a lot of uh, n- new sealed games, getting uh, complete in box games from rental stores. I meet collectors like this, like the old guy I talk about at the swap, and it comes sometimes, guy in his probably early 60s that has hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of box complete games so much so that when he sells the swap meet a few times a year he has a couple hundred and those are his doubles right so he has probably a few thousand box games no exaggeration and yeah he has a save events he told me it's in a bank vault so this collector tim atwood doesn't have just not one stadium events not two not three not four not five he has a shipping box of six Sealed NTSC North American Stadium events. Sealed! And it was always kind of rumored. Oh, we know a guy that might have, you know, he's a big collector. He keeps to himself. He's quiet. He doesn't really like to brag about his his collection. He might have this. He posted a, a picture of the box with the proper serial number. It wasn't the best resolution, but he's an older guy. doesn't have update technology as much. It's, it's pretty much confirmed. Due to his pedigree, his reputation, the fact that people have, in person, have seen this guy's collection, he collects, he collects, he collects boxes, shipping boxes of games. He supposedly has hundreds of these shipping boxes of games. All right, something like four, four to six of just tournament TMNT tournament fighters alone. Supposedly he has at least four shipping boxes, and there's usually six in a shipping box. So that means he has 24 sealed NES tournament fighters. That's a rare game to begin with. So now you have 24 sealed ones of that. Supposedly he has a shipping box of Flintstones Dinosaur Peak and of Little Samson, and who, who the hell knows what else. Right. If he has that... He has oh uh, soccer uh, soccer black box six sealed. Those are not easy to find. The sticker sealed ones like that. So 
this isn't just an I told you so. That would be easier to say, I told you so. There's always people out there that have games you have no idea because they're not bragging about it. They're not posting about it on forums like Nintendo Age. They're not doing YouTube videos. There are collectors that are older or even ones that are our age that are just want to keep quiet and just do it for their own enjoyment and not to brag about it. Not to show their EP size and things like that. And here's a guy that um, revealed it reluctantly because other people wanted him to reveal it. Just to show you that, hey, just because you have that seal steam events, you paid ten grand for it, doesn't mean it's going to be a collectible worth a hundred thousand in the future. Because there's not just two of them now that we know to exist seal steam events. There's now eight, which and is there, and huge. Be, that's absolutely humongous. That's bigger than the seven Ty Cobbs that were found. Because that was there was fifteen that existed. Adding now you're adding fifty percent off. This is increasing it by three hundred percent the amount. Right. Um, so the people who are well, actually, holding four hundred percent total. The people who are holding on to this is their big investment. Who are, you know once they corner the market. Even the com- even the complete in box ones because there yeah. is a person that tried to corner the market on the complete in box stand events. This destroys the value. Now you've got a guy who's basically holding a button to a bomb and saying, "I can destroy the value of your game if you continue to piss me off." Yes. And uh, yeah, that's kind of a fantastic thing. Um, I, I don't necessarily want to. <laughs> it, 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 it's. I don't want to sound mean here, but I'm sorry. We've talked about this before. Video games should not be an investment. If you're going to treat them as an investment, like stocks, and you're going to be a fucking cock about it, uh, you deserve to have this sort of thing brought up to you because this is going to scare these people, whether or not they admit to it scaring them. Uh, suddenly, their precious little thing that they're going to lord above everyone else isn't so unique anymore. No, it's not. And you can even say, well, he's not selling them right now, so it doesn't affect the value. Oh, no, no, no. It's psychological. Yes. It's every potential buyer going forward has to now realize that if he sees a stay event sealed come up, he, does, he now knows that there's not just a couple of them, and that's his only opportunity. There's six more waiting. At least six more. Six more that we know about. Not that he has a shipping box, but if he has a shipping box, there could be someone else? else that has one. Or at least a few laying around. We've always said that. In a warehouse somewhere, or private collections. And here's the proof of it right here. And this isn't just first name events. Uh, 24 sealed torment fighters destroys that market. Yep. Six damages that, but 24 obliterates that market. Because that's not a game that, to begin with, was going to come close to the same events. Say a sealed Torment Fighter is worth, I don't know, top of my head, $400, $500. You add 24 more to the potential uh, buying market that's going to get into that, that market's gone. And, and, and just so people realize why this has such a huge impact, there is not a huge base of sealed collectors to begin no, with. No, there isn't. So, so when you talk about 24, that's you have to realize that that's a huge number for something that has such a small base. You know, of people who are going for a complete sealed set or something like that. You know, this 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 destroys it. But we talk about adding six to a game that a sealed one can go. I don't know what a last one go for twenty grand. We try to get thirty for it. You add six to that. It's no longer then you have to buy mine because mine's the only one. Now as well, maybe I can make a deal with this guy, or maybe twenty years from now, maybe he d- gets out of it. Uh, God forbid he passes away. Those games go on the market now. Long They're going to get out there eventually. Long- Collectors who want to play long term now are just going to sit pretty and wait. And this isn't the first time this has happened to a very rare game. There's no. two big examples: Caltron Six and One. Caltron Six and One happened about four or five years ago, where that was a game that went sealed, went sealed a thousand dollars. Yep, easily. 
They found a truckload of them. Then they went for 180 bucks. Yep. You can probably get one now for 200, 250. You know, they come up regularly. That was the story. The other big one was Akari Warriors for the 2600. Used to be a rare. Oh yeah. Used to be a rare game. You didn't see it at all. They didn't it see it. 2600 or 7800. That was 2600. Oh, okay, maybe it was 2600. And then all of a sudden they found a fucking pallets of them, and now they're worth like ten dollars sealed, something like that. They're worthless now. You know, just two examples right there, where where you think you have something that's gold, but this isn't a Ty Cobb card that's 110 years old. These are games that are only 30 years old that could still exist in a warehouse or some toy store out in Idaho somewhere in the back room or personal collections well, that and, are out there. And, and like you said, okay, so we consider this guy a Generation One Nintendo collector, right? He's a G one, not or G two, ev- not everyone. Uh, throws their collection online to brag or boast. No. Some people do it for their own personal pleasure. So, if it took this long for this private collector, who, I mean, he even who reluctantly says, revealed Yeah, this. he even says in his first line, I decided to visit this page to see what others are saying, so here I am. This will be my only comments. He obviously wants to remain private. You know, a lot of these people who started maybe don't didn't uh, attach to internet uh, culture I quickly. Um, you, know, uh, you know, I mean, there's what we're saying is who knows where he got it from? What he paid for? Does this guy or does the person he got it from have more? Are there other private collectors? I'm not saying recluses, but collectors who just don't feel the need to mingle with other collectors to validate their hobby, uh, holding on to things like this. And not even just a shipping crate. Just one or two or three more in addition to this will continue to cause that price to plummet. But this is why he revealed this. He's a, he's a collector after my own heart. And this is shit I have said on Nintendo Age Forums in the past. I got people pissed at me. Mm-hmm. Which is why I don't feel uh, that I this is retribution for me to bring this stuff up. But this is just another piece of evidence for why this guy is a good collector. This is a guy that I want in the hobby. And he's did this to get people, maybe eyeballs on people that are harmful to the hobby. Sure. What The reason he did this, this is his quotes from his one post. It had been brought to, my, to Adam's attention several times about his misleading statements in his auctions. It was always brushed off. Now, Adam, is, his name is Rare Bucky. He's a notorious, big-time sealed collector and seller on eBay, who I believe tries to corner markets on games and gets multiple copies, then jacks the price up tremendously. And I guess Tim had seen this over years and had enough of this shit. Enough of seeing it. Um, so he said, I saw Tom uh, listed the zero... Uh, which I had sold him several years earlier. I'm not sure who uh, Tom is. must be someone else. I sent him a message during a conversation. He let me know Adam and a couple others were interested in it. I made Tom an offer he couldn't refuse. Then I was watching some black box auctions and saw Adam win soccer, but that wasn't enough. He had to win the other black box games too, even though he had them already. So he's seeing a pattern, which I've seen in the past, of one singular buyer not being satisfied with just one sealed or one uh, hard to find complete box game, but now has to get multiple ones. Right. Coring the market and driving up the price. Uh, that was when I decided to sell some of my extras in response to seeing behavior like this. I listed zero specifically, which I believe is the Kamikaze Scroll Super Nintendo title, title that's hard to find, mm-hmm. because I knew it would get Adam's attention. Hence the soccer picture and the quote and the quote from his auctions. I'm not familiar with, with the, the auctions as much, but I'm guessing the worry's probably like, oh, these are very limited and I own them all, or something to that effect. Or, mm-hmm. you're not going to find these again. They're not out there. When obviously they are. So Adam got in touch with, with uh, Tim, or tried to telling him that he was fucking with the wrong person, because I guess he was... The, the fact that he did... The this, this seller didn't want 
people know that there was a lot more supply out there than right. what he was letting on. Obviously, you're killing the business. Stop fucking with me, or he'll I'll return the favor, and I rule eBay. Something to that yeah. effect. Holy fuck, dude. I have watched for years as Bucky uh, and others have had auctions ended early, blocked buyers, outbid other collectors just to pr- protect a title, flat out screwed other collectors that helped them on previously agreed upon deals. They can pretend like it didn't and doesn't happen, but it does, and I've seen it. I'm a collector and have helped many people. I'm not an obstructionist. I love you, Tim Atwood. We need more of you out there, and especially on sites like Nintendo Age. This is stuff I've talked about in the past. This shit goes on, and people turn a blind eye eye to this bullshit behavior. It's fucking gross. And I'm glad this guy is doing it. I'm protecting my investment. No, you're just being a fucking cock. I'm glad a collector like this has his button on the fucking nuclear device switch. Ready to go. You fuck with the hobby. You lie about how many games are out there. Your quote-unquote quartering markets act like asshole divas throwing around your collections. Well, any fucking time you want to, I will ruin you. Yeah. With what I have in my personal collection. God damn it. I want to buy him a sandwich too. <laughs> Nothing like buying a person a sandwich. Oh my god, this is making me happy. Alright, so... He continued. That was when I decided to take a several hour trip to get pictures of the SE case. I was only going to send it to Adam and remind him that all rulers can be dethroned. <laughs> what the fuck are you, the ruler on eBay selling seal games? Go yeah. fuck yourself. Um, and then that's when the pictures uh, came out. And then people uh, on the forum were... were we're saying, no, it's not real, but then people say, no, we know this guy for, you know, he's been collecting for like 25 years, whatever. He's, for, he's legit. He's for real. Right. He's got this stuff. He just, he just keeps to himself. And he's got to help a lot more. Uh, so, uh, he even said, okay, Adam, go ahead and get me banned from Nintendo Age now you, if you have that power. <laughs> uh, then he, then this is, a, I'll let this you is do my last favorite. Part. My oh last my comment is a screenshot with the picture properties of the stadium events picture. All three pictures are of the same case. I put a hanky on the last one. Take that however you like. Woo! <gasps> I love you, Tim. That is great shit right there. I'll never meet you, Tim, but thank you so much. That is some hot smut. God, that really almost gets me hard. I'm not going to lie. That's fantastic. Thank you for letting me know that there are clickers out there <laughs> that want to call bullshit when people in the quote-unquote community take advantage or are liars or are deceptive or backdoor deals and, and, and get away with it because people uh, turn a blind eye or corner markets on games or put up deceptive listing uh, on, on eBay deceptive descriptions and, and headers thank you so much for being a guy out there that cares about the hobby and you think that I'd be a guy who said well he owns so many multiple rare copies of a game no 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 this is a guy that I want to own rare, uh, multiple rare copies of the game because he's on my side. I'm on his well, side. Well, and it's slightly it different, to too. If he got this early on and was yes. holding on to it, it's not the same as cornering a market. And this is a guy who is also maybe not always paying attention to it, but has, has noticed a pattern and is now holding this over the head like, I could if I wanted to, and that would ruin it. He is a righteous emperor. Yes. That any time can bring <laughs> swift justice to my, the the hobby that I love, that I try to defend, and I get shit for when I try to speak out against the bullshit that I've seen in the hobby. So thank you, Mr. Atwood. Kudos. I will say this, though. If you do sell these, and I, I hope you do while I'm still alive, 
because uh, I want to see people actually, I want to feel their tears. I want to lick them myself, mm-hmm. like Cartman, off their faces when their investments plummet in value. Please be like a pre-approved buyer list and have them write a contract that they can't turn around and flip it. Something like, All right, I'll sell you the game for this this price, or it'll be up to this amount. Just do whatever you can to get the games into proper collector's hands that won't try to get multiple copies of them to quote-unquote protect the value. Get into people that actually want it to complete a collection. Get them, find them good homes. Good homes, while still destroying the value. Yes. Do both, and my nipples will get even harder than they are now. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. This is getting too sexual. Uh, there was one time I was at a convention, and uh, I had a hard time getting to sleep. Because next door, uh, they decided to play a uh, rock band in, in their hotel room, which did did not... Uh, did not uh, agree with me that much. (laughs) I'll just say. Find out more on this segment on the Best of the CU podcast. So it was uh, the Friday night. So it was a three-day event. So this after the first day there. And then I get back. You know, we did our panel. You know, it was was a little bit busy day. You know, recovered. Came back to the hotel room about 11 o'clock. And uh, 10.45, I think we came back. And then I was in a room where it, it, you can convert it into a suite. You know how they have like the double doors that connect the two rooms? Yeah. They're usually locked, but they're open if it's a suite because then you have two different bedrooms. You can walk to and fro. So I, I got ready for bed. Ready, I was really tired. And then I hear next door, through, my, through the double doors, might as well not even have a... Like, there's no wall there, literally. It's like, it's like having nothing. I hear them doing, I guess, rock band. They're singing awfully okay Mm -hmm. and so I'm like all right, (laughs) this is fine I hear them literally you you can literally hear the the drums hitting so either either they were just singing along to a song and hitting it or they brought their fucking rock band equipment to a convention for an, at that's, a hotel room. I think that's uh, that's a thing that's definitely happened before so I think that that's probably likely I don't think you're wrong so I'm reasonable I'm not gonna I'm not gonna narc you out before midnight and that goes for my neighborhood or whatever. Like, that's reasonable I'll, and that's and that's usually you know usually it's like nine or ten it's talking about like laws for like sound ordinances I'll give you to midnight alright I'll be nice Pat even though I'm tired I managed to get to sleep around I want to say around midnight I was sleeping well. I was in a dream. I don't remember what it was. I got woken the fuck up at 2.30 a.m. Because those motherfuckers woke me up singing. It was that loud to wake me up. You know when you get so startled? Mm-hmm. Like, so my mind got used to the normal level of their idiocy. Sure. And then they amped it up at like, I guess, past <laughs> 2 o'clock and woke me up. So now I'm fucking annoyed. Now I'm annoyed. <laughs> and you know what song it was that woke me up? <clears throat> Days go by on the waterfall. Same as it ever was. Yes, the Talking Heads classic that doesn't sound good even when they sing it because I mean, they're I goofy. Love the song, but it's a good song. But I don't want to hear someone else sing it at two thirty yes. in the morning. And they're trying to emulate how weird the, the Talking Heads sing it as well. So they sound like fucking dogs, like howling at the moods. Sing this at two thirty in the morning. So now, now I'm annoyed. Now it's time to drop a dime. So I call, I call the front desk. I say, listen. And I'm like half asleep. Because I was deeply sleeping. So I'm like, okay, uh, they're, they're making some noise. You know, can you send someone up and say something? So I, I think that's going to take care of the issue here. They send someone up. And I can hear the whole conversation. I remember, this is, there's no wall here. So it's not muffled. 
Yeah. It's two two fucking doors that are back to back. That should have been like like that was two doors with that motorcycle going by. So I hear I hear the door knock like they don't answer like for two knocks because they're they're so fucking loud and probably slightly drunk. And then I hear the door open. It sounds like a, it, it turns out I'll, t- I'll get to it later. It was a nice. Nice woman security, not the head of security, just nice. She's like, hey guys, she was, she was like, hey guys, you know, there's been a complaint. You know, can you guys please keep it down? They're like, oh yeah, sure, sure. One of the assholes in the room, it's been like three or four of them, says, "Fuck you" to this nice woman, who at two thirty in the morning has to has to go up and deal with you motherfuckers. <sighs> go in Jersey on you, and of course they probably said it as she was leaving. And then I hear them say, "This is an expo." Like, what the fuck, man? Okay. Oh, God. Being at an expo, I understand if your life is so fucking worthless and so bereft of fun that you think you have to let it all hang out at a, at your in your hotel room doing fucking rock band at 2.30 in the morning. Why don't you just for a second realize that other people are in that hotel room? Nice families. Nice business people. And yes, maybe a guest at the convention that you were at, asshole, that has to try to be, you know, put on a smile for everyone, which I want to. But now I'm being deprived of sleep. And now Ian's got to deal with Grumpy Pat the next day, potentially. We're all at risk with Grumpy Pat. All sure, at risk. We are. So. Everyone. No so, one's safe. No one is safe hide right your now. Kids. Hide your kids. Hide your wives. So within 35 seconds, because I was listening, I was like, okay, let's see what these people actually do. They started up again. Not even at a lower volume. They don't fucking care. So I give it like the end of their fucking same as it ever was song. And I call again. And I say, listen, they're not stopping. I want a new room. And they were, and, and, and the Hyatt Regency, you are awesome. Because you said, no problem. We're going to bring you up two new key cards. If you need help with your luggage. I said, no, have the luggage. Just give me the key cards and it's fine. Was this first night? This was Friday night. Friday so night. We got there okay. Thursday and it's Friday. So they came up. It was the same nice nice security woman. She apologized. I said, and it's great that when you're having to pack at 2.40 in the morning, half asleep. Like, pack all your fucking toiletries up. Throw your fucking underwear in your bag. Throw your lap. I had to do all that and, like, stumble up to the 20th floor. <laughs> <laughs> so they said they were they were nice, but you motherfuckers, I was so close to coming down the next morning and seeing your goddamn faces and narking you out to the expo people to throw your asses out. I'm sorry for the rest of the people if you're getting scared right now. That's how annoyed I was. I really hope you're listening. I, I hope you're listening to the, the podcast. Know that Pat narked your asses out, and now I know what you sound like singing that fucking song. You're not safe. They sent the head of security. They said they're the head of security. So hopefully that put an end to it for anyone else on the floor that was bothered by your fucking singing. So anyway, Ian, that was my uh, that was my Friday night. But we had fun otherwise. Yeah. Little bitch has somehow become a term of endearment, and here's the story why on an early episode of the CU podcast. Just in general, like some of your wackier bed sort of a, a customer so luna uh, luna store customer quirky stories i guess <laughs> i'll i'll try to do my best with this as i can to, to lead in and i'm not going to get too personal about it this has not been a good month uh lots of personal things happening with family uh, there will be a death in the family soon of someone who i'm very very close to so this is going to perhaps be a little cathartic for me to just go and rant for a while because i got some bad news today and somehow today just happened to be the day where 
every single person was an asshole. Now, Ocean Beach compared to La Mesa. This is a thing that usually throws people off. And those are the two Luna stores. Those are, are. the two locations for Luna. Um, Ocean Beach is more affluent, especially when you get out of the the beachfront area. Sure. And uh, La Mesa is definitely the, the poorer area. Uh, when I bitch about things that happen at the store, people always assume, you know, I'm in a bad neighborhood or something like that. No. Mm-hmm. All, the, all the problem customers are in Ocean Beach. All the assholes are in Ocean Beach. You know, they're the ones who bitch about every single price well, or, sure. you know, and, and, well, and they don't really know what they're doing in there. Um, why is that though? I don't, I I have a few theories. Well, there's a lot, there's a lot of like layabouts, listless younger people. There's a lot of uh, grifters and drifters. You have two poles. You have, you have the layabouts who don't want to spend any money on anything because they don't have it. And the only way they can take it out on you is by yelling at you over something stupid. Yeah. They're trying to sell you like a, a guitar hero guitars and want like 50 bucks for it and then you have the very (laughs) rich parents who didn't get rich by spending money sure so that's kind of what the problem is and you just you have a lot more entitlement in the more affluent neighborhood uh in ocean beach you know it's uh there's more entitlement there's i don't know everyone seems to think that they should get their own way uh not to make too much of a social statement but you go to a, a a a a badder neighborhood, a less downtrodden or more downtrodden neighborhood. Um, people aren't used to getting their way. Sure. People, you know, value their money and they they make their choices wisely. You know, they 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 come in and they look at games for two weeks before they come back and buy something. And never once do they really complain. I mean, it's not to say that I don't have problems out in La Mesa because I occasionally do. You have to deal with some drug addicts and stuff like that that you have to shoo out of the mm-hmm. store. But for the most part, everyone's a lot friendlier. So. I don't know. We'll just start. We'll just start with one story today. Now, keep in mind, these, this is not a greatest hits of of, of <laughs> my 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 eight years at Luna Video Games. But this is just an example. Eight of years. How, yeah, this is wow. just an example of how a bad day can can progress. A gentleman walks in this morning, and walks up and puts two boxes and a sealed game on the counter. And I stand up and I look at him, and it's a sealed PlayStation Move controller. Okay. PlayStation I. And a copy of Sports, whatever the fuck it's called, Sports Heroes or, or yeah. whatever. Their, their, their version of Wii Sports. Absolutely dog shit worthless. The right? move the, controls aren't worth anything? I, no, I, no I, can't, I can't move them. I can't move them to save my life. Um, we have them priced lower than GameStop. I, we just can't move them. No one's interested. Okay. So I stand up and I look at it and real politely I go, you know, are you looking for cash or credit? And he goes, cash. I go, okay. I said, unfortunately, I don't think I'm going to be able to do much for you. And he starts, like, piling the games up. And I go, yeah, sorry, I just, I, you know, he's obviously like, getting ready to leave. I'm like, I can give you a quote, but I said, you know, I, I, I can't move these. I've got more than I sure. need. And he starts chuckling to himself. And he turns around and walks away. How old is this person? Uh, I would say older, I would say late 30s. Late 30s, okay. Yeah. So he's an adult, supposedly. And as he's walking away, he goes, a simple no would have sufficed. And I think to myself, I mean, real quick, this is a guy who's just not used to hearing no. In general. This is a guy who's And you did say no in a nice way, kind of. And and, and this is just a guy who's upset that he's not getting money for his bullshit that he thinks should be worth something. And I I said, sorry, sir. I said, I just wanted to kind of explain to you why I I can't take that. Mm -hmm. Because this is the thing that sunk in for me afterwards. And we're not done with this story, but... um, A simple no would have sufficed. That's bullshit. 
Yeah. If I had stood up and looked at his boxes and went, no, no, yeah. and sat back down, I, he would have been yeah. way more angry. I worked in an office, and they always say, never say no to like a coworker or a customer. You never say no. Yeah. Like, you never use those words. Right. So, so you know, I, I explained myself, and as he's walking away, he decides to throw this barb out there, and this is great. You know, just thought I'd try local for once. What a- like, 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 like he was, here's the difference. If you walk into a store yeah. and you're looking around and you want to buy something, that's giving locals business. Coming to me to offload your shit. To take money from a local business. You're not doing you a favor, really. Right, right. To, to offload your <laughs> shit that I can't sell for anything isn't doing me a favor. And it's almost like it's almost like he's trying to make you feel ashamed for you not supporting your own local business by not engaging with him right. to, to buy his garbage, which you explained that that's not good for my business to buy your garbage. So I looked at so him. So he's just an idiot. I looked at him and I said, dude, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't think you're going to get much elsewhere. And he goes, I already talked to Best Buy. Best Buy said they'd give me something for it. And in my head, I'm like, is Best Buy even still taking games? And if they are, what? I mean, did you just call someone and someone was like, well, yeah, 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 whatever, and hung up the phone should, just to yeah. get them off the phone? So anyways, so anyways, he was like, Best Buy already said it. And I said, well, sir, it's probably not going to be much. And he called me an asshole on his way out the door. So, so, and this was like a well-to-do kind of yeah. guy. Like, oh, yeah, this was totally well-to-do, nice shirt, nice not, clothes. Not an Ocean Beach dr- drifter, grifter guy. No, not okay. someone who stole these out of a garbage can. This was someone who got this as a gift and just decided they didn't want it. Or had a nephew or niece or right. son or something. And, you know, they thought they were going to make a quick, you know, 30, 40 bucks off of this shit. I don't even sure. think a full set of that stuff would cost you what he was probably yeah. hoping to get from it. So, we move on. And so, uh, did you say anything after he said it? You just didn't say anything. No, I just, I just, I just let it go. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, what was? There were so many of them. Well, I'm gonna tell them out of order. I have this kid come in. He's probably like eight or nine years old. He always comes in. Little bastard. He always wants to trade away his games, and they're always games that are like five years old that sell for five dollars or ten dollars, mm-hmm. and I can't give him much. And he always sighs and a little bit, and he uh, he gets a little upset, but. You know, he usually takes the credit that I give him. And um, today he comes in and starts asking me about all these sports games. I'm like, no. No, I'm like, I can't take sports games. Uh, I don't take sports games older than current year. So he's like, well, what about Madden 25? And I said, well, I said I would probably still do 15 in credit for Madden 25. Really? Is that one still popular? It's the most current year. I feel like that's pretty fair. I feel like that's better than what games stuff With the metal case or whatever in defense. I don't know. (laughs) And he goes... He, like, looks at me in disbelief. He's like, that's the most recent year. And I'm like, well, dude, I'm, I'm sorry. I said, sports games don't move. And I pointed a pile of sports games on the ground. But was he with his parent? No. No, oh. no, no. And I pointed the pile of sports games on the ground. And I go, I go, see? I said, they, they don't sell. And he goes, well, that's not my problem. <laughs> and I looked at him and I said, yeah. it, it is, actually. Because that's why I won't buy sports games for anything anymore. And... I, I, I gotta promise you, I was not rude this whole time. I, I you know, I was sure. I was very calm with him. And he turns around, and as he's walking out, he's like, "Don't shop here. They're all about the money. They're all about the money." <laughs> to all the customers, he's like, "He's like, I'm going to GameStop." And I'm like, "GameStop isn't going to give you fuck all for that." <laughs> 
Well, he's going to hop on a skateboard and, and go on down or as his uh, mom and he's driving to GameStop? His Razor scooter. His Razor scooter. His Razor scooter. I'm like, fine, go the seven miles there to, you know, to the GameStop. It's not close or five miles, whatever it is. And they're not going to, at least they're not going to give you anything. Right. You so, know, we'll give him five bucks. That's funny as hell. He's all about the money. No, we're just giving away everything in a retail store. Yeah. Where we have a lease to take care of and employees. So then I get to this guy who comes in, and this is one of the more shiftless, like, OB layabout types. Drunk is a fucking skunk. Um, stumbles in, looks around. I'm like, how's it going? He's like, it's going good. Just looking for some games. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so he walks up to the counter, right? Mm-hmm. And he looks down at it and goes, is a uh, black DS in here? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, it's a DS? I said, it's a 3DS. And he goes, Pfft. 140. He goes, how about, uh, about 50? <laughs> and he said it with a straight face. Straight face. Like, like you would have budged. And it. I said, sir, I, I'm not giving away a Nintendo 3DS. He goes, I'm not asking you to give it away. I'm asking you to make a deal. Now, I don't know why this person has a southern accent, because he's not southern. He's totally you just making West one Coast. Up. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that's, that's Ian's just like random uh, yeah. customer accent. I don't know. I didn't ask you to give it away. Yeah. I asked you to make a deal. So he just <laughs> stares at me and he looks at me and he's like, so? And I said, no, not a chance. And I said, and he turns around and goes, little bitch. <laughs> and just starts walking away. And I didn't even, I mean, I, this is, the thing was, I, I, I didn't have anything to say. At this point <laughs> in, in my day, everything Dude. had gone so poorly. That all I did was scream. I screamed, what the fuck? I don't know if I was screaming to a god I don't believe in, or if I was screaming at him or to the passerbys, because the people across the street heard me and looked across the street. I just let loose a dragon roar and screamed, what the fuck? And he got real undrunk real quick and ran. He went from a stumble to a run out of the stores. He looked at me like I was crazy. And I'm sure I portrayed myself as a crazy person, but at that point, it's like, what What the... F- I, I mean, I'm looking for the fucking camera in the store. You know, I'm waiting for Dom DeLuise's corpse to punch up through the ground. And be like, surprise! You're a candy bruh! You know, and... I don't know, it was just it was full of little shit like that. I don't know, if you, if you go to a store... Uh, look, yes, the people who work in retail... You have every right to be treated kindly, uh, as long as you are treating the people who are helping you sure. kindly. They are, we, we're, we're still humans. Um, when you sell something to a store that does buybacks, whether it's a video game store or a pawn shop, we're under no obligation to buy anything that you bring in. No. You know, it, we have a business to run. Just because you bring me a bag of stuff doesn't mean I'm going to give you a bag of money in return. It's not how it works. Sure. And likewise, because like that kid... I'm sorry, next time he comes in with games, I'm going to tell him to go to GameStop so he can get his 50 cents a copy of a game. Because I, I don't care. If I deal with his parents by then, it should be funny. That would be a whole other story. I just, you know, there, we we don't have to sit there and and take it. You know, we, we don't have to sell you anything. We don't have to buy anything from you. So, I don't know. I, like I said, today was a... I get more bad customers in OB than anywhere else, but today well, was just particularly rough. It was just particularly rough. Um, here's the, here's the thing about people. I deal with it to some extent. I mean, when you have like a, I guess somewhat of a fan base and well, I guess you do too in the podcast is that people expect just because I guess they, they see you as servicing them in some way, not to be in a dirty way, but either by providing them entertainment or they, they expect that they can treat you as shitty as they want. And just because they think that they're the one that is in control because you're the one servicing them or 
you know, or they're the one that's providing their fandom to you, that they can just treat you with disrespect and expect nothing bad back in return. And for the most part, a lot of people just avoid it. I don't. I know other guys that don't. Uh, and it, it's not right just to take it. It really isn't. No. Because it's a two-way street. It really is yeah. when it comes to anything like that. It's like, I, I, I always look at it as, at the end of the day, you treat people like human beings. And then, like, it's secondary what their uh, sort of their position is and what they're doing. You know, that, that, that should be sort of like, yeah, that's where, where they're at. But you have to treat people with respect either way. You know, I'm on this side of the counter. You're on that side of the counter. But really, let's just communicate like two adults, yeah. and everything will get done just fine. I mean, that that's it. Yeah, like like for example, on my videos, like you know, we 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 see people that have these comments about Ian. You know, Ian's uh, Ian's an asshole. He talks too much, or Pat doesn't <laughs> talk enough on the videos. And it's just like you can say things nicely in critique. Yeah, I have no problem with that. Right. You know, there was there was a comment on Retroware. It was it was the last video I posted on Retroware actually, which made it go a little sour. Just just close. Not that you expect everyone to have positive comments, but on Retroware, for for some reason on that site, sometimes the commenters are a little more more uh, acerbic than other websites I've seen, even YouTube. But one guy like t- thought it'd be cool to criticize my 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 last two videos on the site which were both the Famicom games and the first one I did is a tribute to Justin and he said well these videos weren't creative enough for me and it's just like excuse me you know it's just like so I responded back to that's a little crass of you to you know the, the, the I wasn't thinking about being extremely creative doing a tribute video to my dead friend that wasn't the, the first thing on my right. mind was it did i think it was entertaining did i think it had some good lifts yeah but it, i wasn't going all balls out and wanted to like have a donkey kong fight in a video you know that was a tribute to to justin you know and so then he gets back to me like well you know you can't take critique <laughs> it's just like no, and- yeah that's what it is i can't take critique i've been critiqued so much i used to get people threatening to beat me up on game trailers you know i used to get featured on the site in like 2010 but i can't take your your shitty critique no i can take critique but i can take critique that's nice and constructive or at least doesn't attack you like in such just a visceral just idiotic way there's a well, difference this is where we go back to and not to get too off topic but this is where where we go back to the internet providing, you know, excuse me, a, a, a barrier that people feel like lets them be assholes. I, I, re- I saw on like a recent video that we did, uh, you know, someone was real sarcastic and was like, yeah, that 50 plus decibel thing isn't working out real well for you guys, huh? And it's like, you could have just said, instead of being a dick, you could have just said, hey, that was a little loud. Was there a problem? And someone did that. And obviously yeah. I responded. So yeah, we had we had yeah. a setting up. You don't think I'm the first person to realize that I was pissed? Right. The last podcast that our audio was all yes, fucked no, up. No, somehow you uploaded all of those without that. Yeah, you think I was yeah. happy about that? And so like people, it comes back to when they're customers too. They think they had this, like they have a right then to be right. mean. You see it with waiters and waitresses all yeah, the time, which I did forever. So anyway, last line, just the way to kind of draw together. What I, I feel the same thing about like the, the internet providing this false bravado. Yeah, I, I get it all the time. These customers who want to be dicks more often than not, they will walk out and say their last parting word as they're leaving the, the store. Because and I, rounding the literal barrier between me yeah, and them. It's, because it's like, what fucking assholes. Like, yeah, you, have, you, have no, you, have, you have no character. No character, no spine. At least say it to your yeah. face, too. Right. Yeah, it's always the best thing when you're on the phone with someone or an argument where it's like, can we, can we, can we end this like as, as, as humans and not just like, you got to get the last word and feel good about yourself? Do you feel that awful about yourself that you have to go, you know, either to, a, to an employee somewhere or, or online and you have to go out of your way to be a dick. That's what it comes down to. Right. Going out of your way to be a dick. But that's but again, that, some people are just like that. Yeah. I don't have the I don't have the the uh 
the shiniest view of humanity a lot of times because of that. Because I know there's lots of nice people, but it's like the the few are you know, fruit bad apple spoil the bunch. Oh. No, but it's kind of like it kind of puts you in a, in a bad way. It does. I refuse to fall into the the pit of misanthropy. I hate it. I think it's a cop out and it's an excuse. I know too many good people to fall into that. But on a day like today, it is very easy to just put my head down on the keyboard hit all the buttons and say I fucking hate everyone because I mean that's how you feel the only problem is you, you can't let yourself fall into that as a regular routine oh, maybe, then, maybe life, I, then, then life is going to be miserable maybe, maybe I do that too often maybe <laughs> anyways whatever so I got some of that out of my system and those, those... you should have complained the, the employee the, the customer always supposed to get they're always right in the end so wh- why don't you talk less and let Pat talk more on this <laughs> Ian, I really missed you while you were out sick. For topics such as this following one, when Coleco Holdings decided it was fun and smart to attack a ColecoVision Facebook fan page. Hear me talk about why that was erroneous and dumb on this Best of the CU podcast. Ian, you missed the last podcast. And oh, we're I, diving right into this one. I, I think we have to. Um, let's, uh, let's keep in mind that certain thing... <laughs> Let's stay focused. <laughs> well, there's a couple of things. We'll, we'll, we'll yeah. get there. So the last podcast, did you listen to me talking about the rift growing between Coleco Holdings LLC and the community? Yeah, I did. I, as a matter of fact, community? I went over it again today while heating my abs um, in the morning just sure. to make sure I was fresh on and, that. And what's your, what's your TLDR of the situation? Um, I think it's fucking stupid to destroy your fan base by attacking a fan page that is doing nothing but promoting the homebrew scene and is not using your trademark. Now, okay, sure. Um, I love homebrewers. <sighs> okay, if you have the trademark and they're using the trademark and you don't want to associate it with people who are making, uh, you know, f- for the most part, unlicensed reproductions of actual arcade games, fine. But actively trying to take down a fan page, which is the only fucking thing that is keeping your brand going. On the internet. For yeah, the most part. On the internet. And I mean, honestly, what is your what is Coleco gonna fucking sell in this modern day and age, you stooges? Um you're you're only shooting yourself in the foot. So that's my TLDR. Don't go after the fucking people who are going to give you money potentially. Well, if there's a theme on this podcast, whenever we cover something controversial, say a really re- weird retro, you know, console yeah. that we we rail against, and then people come after us, they come after us like we're the ones we're a bad guy, we're the bad guys talking about it, drunks. That's that could have been an accusation in a pass on a podcast, maybe. But Coleco Holdings, which is really Chris Cardillo, who's the person I met. I've seen him in person. I oh, spoke to him. I believe we absolved that person of a lot of oh, sins. We, I, in person, I absolved him, and we both did of Coleco Holdings having anything, any knowledge of the Coleco Chameleon being a scam. Mm-hmm. We both said, I said to him in person at Game One Expo, to, I said, Chris, you know, I don't think he had anything to do with that. I thought you had no knowledge. And I, like I said in the podcast, he just didn't say yes or no. He just sort of looked through me, which I thought was interesting. Didn't think that much of it. I thought maybe he was embarrassed about the situation. And I gave him the benefit of the doubt. But uh, he went at me in the comments of that video. That's cute. What's an interesting, interesting sort of angle? For example, um, saying that, well, Pat, uh, the, having the... You can look at the comments yourselves. They're still there. Uh, one, of it, one of his arguments was, Pat, this would be the same as someone 
uh, p- pirating your book and selling it on a Facebook fan page. And I said, well, n- Chris, no. do you own... The difference is I created a, a book. I created the book. Right. I said, Chris, do you own the copyright to any of these games in question? Does Coleco... And of course he said, well, no, it has nothing to do with that. Well, then it's not the same situation. Yeah, it's not. Coleco Holdings owns a trademark of Coleco and ColecoVision. Not the games. Not the games. Not the ones produced. They hold no authority over what can be produced on any ColecoVision system, past or present. The patents are gone. It'd be like Nintendo trying to dictate what homebrew games can be developed. They cannot. It's funny because, you know, people always uh, accuse Nintendo of being extra harsh when going after these things. Um, But they don't even go after, like, the homebrew market as long as they're not using Nintendo assets. They just... because they have no right to. They they have no right to. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, you know, here's some fucker. Anyways. Uh, But then he, he then said, well, Pat, you are wrongly using the Nintendo trademark on a certain NES guidebook. Seeing that. Um, I pointed out to Chris, as with copyright, there is fair use when it comes to trademark. You look at any a lot of books out there. Uh, you look at uh, you know Coca-Cola merchandise books. Uh, you look at um, like old antiques, antique books showing off um, you know maybe an old sign of a trademark that still exists. If it's describing the book, you're okay for the most part. Uh, unofficial. I mean, they used to be huge in the '90s. Unofficial band biographies and stuff like that. Sure. Used to always put the band logo in the same typeface and stuff on the front because you understand that's what you're describing. So yes. it's, you're not misrepresenting the brand that exists. It's just that's what your book is about. So it's interesting that Chris pointed that out to me. What Coleco Holdings doesn't own are the trademarks to Donkey Kong, Frogger, Frogger, and Cabbage Patch Kids. And you know what? That's what's being used on the logo for the Coleco Expo coming up in New Jersey. (gasps) Oh, my God. Sounds like someone's a big fucking pile of hypocritical shit. Well, here's the point, Chris, is that if you're going to come after me, don't do the shit you're accusing me of, which you know is incorrect anyway. I'm not saying you are wrong for using... The Cabbage Patch Kid Frogger uh, images of Don Kong on your logo. I don't have a problem with that because because I understand it's fair use. Just don't attack other people for doing the same thing. Um, when <laughs> never mind, you're a dumbass. Um, that that's the problem. When uh, when you are backed into a corner based upon bad decisions, like for example, entrusting uh, an, a a guy that has no experience creating a video game system with the keys to your brand and seeing it fucking explode in your place. You should be happy that you still have a fucking job and that your your brand still exists. So when a second bad decision comes up, like attacking not just the homebrew uh, community, but attacking someone just giving their opinion on the news that 99% of the people agree with, you dig yourself deeper. But it looks like there was other stuff going on behind the scenes in terms of Coleco Holdings slash Chris and what he was doing. Yeah. Which has brought to my attention and the attention of others on our favorite website, our real favorite website. How many sandwiches do I owe at this point? I think I'm going to go bankrupt. Atari H. They are super sluice, as we've known before with the Coleco Chameleon. We we really do defer. I mean, we we are just Atari. We're Atari H mouthpieces at this point. Yeah. I'm gay for Atari age. I can say that. That should be a t-shirt. Anyway, so this is these are the things they've done. I'd make out with all of them. <laughs> Besides the DMCA, DMCA t 
takedown notices, which, by the way, is Digital Millennium Copyright Act, doing it for what they call trademark infringement Run on DMCA. images. That, that's questionable in of itself. Um, they threatened Atari Age to delete the threads that Chris was posting in. This is all Chris doing this, and maybe yeah. at one or two helpers, by Where the way. Where do you get the balls, by the way? To threaten to take some sort of uh, vague action if the people at Atari Age were not deleting that thread, but also I think they also wanted the Click of Chameleon one deleted as well. Um, to just to expunge all record of uh, Coleco looking like garbage to the community because they were breaking the guidelines. So you're breaking your guidelines coming after us and bullying us. So we want you to delete your threats. Sounds so, fairly authoritarian. It's authoritarian, but it's also very ballsy to try to play victim after you're attacking a community, mm-hmm. the one that are, is keeping your brand alive in order for your uh, trademark to be worth anything other than garbage in the first place. You are attacking the only hope you have of making money off of this trademark you acquired. Yes, which is interesting to me. So there was deadlines given. I mean, I've seen, uh, you know, uh, just just summaries of this stuff, you know, and it's just like, wow, that's unbelievable uh, that this stuff would be happening. Character assassination against people on Atari age, news of character assassination. I mean, trying to assassinate my character, and I'm just a messenger, Chris. Um being in business, this is just the, the short version. Being yeah. being in business with people that are just uh, persona non grata on Atari H for just doing awful and scummy business dealings, and and being in business with people like that. Um, right, not just business dealings. Um, trying to edit the Coleco Industries, the real Coleco. Trying to edit the real Coleco Industries uh, Wikipedia page to make it look like they never really went out of business and that some uh, r- company named Riverwest didn't just get a zombie trademark and bring it back. Trying to make it look like th- that Coleco Holdings, the brand, is the same as Coleco Industries, the actual Coleco, you know, the one actually created shit in the 80s. Uh, by the way, we'll get, we'll get to that later, but I mean, there's a that- very easy trail to show that that's... Total bullshit. Well, of course, but Wikipedia, it's easy to see. When you go to Wikipedia, you can see who tried to edit the pages, Yeah. for example. So they tried to do that. Creating a new ColecoVision Nation Facebook page to rival the ColecoVision fan page, the one they attacked. To, like, like, that's going to fucking work? Like, that's going to work. Can we stop creating, like, Facebook pages that are, like, something-something nation? By the way, oh, I didn't even think about that angle. I mean, that's see you, podcast nation. Coming yeah, at you. I mean, way to go with being creative. But the whole point is that after attacking that community, you think those people are going to then go to this secondary page that you're created trying to make the first one look bad? Do you think because, they're going to go to your because, convention? Because you can then, because then, then you can control the narrative there. So we get to more. Um, going back to the GI Joe stuff, <laughs> Chris Cardillo. Is a pretty the guy who's basically doing all this bad shit. Um, he sells on eBay. This isn't a scumbag seller of the week segment, even. No, but people looked into looked into it. It deserves more. But on eBay, he was not just selling, and he's a self-acclaimed. He's got a huge GI Joe uh, uh, collection. I'm a big GI Joe fan. I have some GI Joe toys in my garage. I've seen them in the swap meet. They're pretty good. But it's one thing to sell... They're pretty good. It's one thing to sell authentic G.I. Joes that Hasbro produce. Mm-hmm. It's another thing to sell counterfeit bootleg G.I. Joes. Recasted. Recasted from molds. from molds that Hasbro owns the rights to. So, and this is all in the Atari Age thread. So once that was pointed out, the massive hypocrisy, not just about uh, you're, you're complaining about trademark infringement elsewhere... 
uh, that really is an infringement, even though you're doing it, but to sell counterfeit goods on your page there of the Steel Brigade G.I. Joe line. Remember the one that you mailed away for? Uh, I want to say it was probably like 1988, where um, you would fill out the file card, like what you want your custom figure to do, you named it yourself. Oh, yes, yes. That's the one with the helmet. It was basically like the barbecue yeah. uh, style helmet or something like that. And then, you know, so you couldn't see the head with just the helmet. There was a bunch of bootlegs on there that he was selling. Once it was found on Atari Age, it looks like um, all the listings were closed up or he fire sailed them for like half the price. Yeah, I, that, that I saw. He, like, so, the, 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 the so, price was dropped considerably. So why do that if you, if you were doing nothing wrong, I wonder? Why try to make any record of that disappear off the internet? That's kind of strange. That is weird. You know? Uh, then, the, and then uh, he went on to Atari Age. Just an to, opinion. But uh, it's, that's it's, kind of strange. It's odd. To me, it looks, in my opinion, it's strange. But then he went on to Atari to try to justify that, saying that, well, Hasbro has has no problem. They've come out and said that custom figures are okay. In my opinion, and after speaking to a prominent person in the toy collector community, and I asked him, what exactly is the definition of a custom, custom figure? A modified original figure. A custom figure, yes, would be a modified Listen here. A modified original figure that was bought from the company that produced it. You know, you can paint them. You can take different parts off of them. What is not a custom is a bootleg counterfeit reproduction that's not authorized by the original producer. That you do not have the rights then to do that. And after talking to this person in the toy community, he said that even if companies are aware of it, like Hasbro, it's usually even within the toy community, it's understood that if you do what's called a recast, you sell 20 figures at a convention, and like it's like, yeah, I know it's kind of wrong to do that, but whatever. It's another thing to sell them on eBay publicly, right. which one of the reasons probably why these auctions were all gone after this was pointed out. Um, at the same time, also, he was trying to sell the Calica brochure from the 2016 Toy Fair that featured the Calica Chameleon. Not sure you, why you'd want any reminder at all with your brand that that disaster well, happened. I mean, wasn't he trying to kind of, like, muddy or remove mentions of the Calico Chameleon from... Oh, oh from the Calico brand's Wikipedia page. Yeah. That's right. Right. So, I, I mean, this person's just trying to capitalize on everything. We need to... What? Okay, so we're going to remove it from this Wikipedia entry to make ourselves look better in a market that doesn't give a shit about us anymore because we've trashed our fan base. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, let's capitalize on our biggest embarrassment. Yeah, true. By the way, speaking of trademark, I'm sure some of the recast um, molds probably had the Hasbro trademark somewhere on the body of those figures. So Which he, of course, owns. So at the, so at the same time, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's infringement on, on the mold uh, and then also the trademark being on there. At the same time, it's a double whammy, and that's a trademark infringement that actually, to me, exists. If you're making reproduction figures and you have the company on there that are bootleg, that's wrong. So, just a lot of hypocrisy, a lot of bad decisions uh, going on at the same time. I wonder if the mental spaghetti is going to be necessary to do to uh, kind of, you know, counter these. I don't know. I have no idea. But it's just, uh, it's a a shame that, before we get on to the next topic, and I've seen this before, it's just another case of people outside of of the video game community, especially the retro game community, trying to capitalize on it. And fuck us in the ear. Because they don't give a shit. They weren't originally playing ColecoVision games, you know, but they say, oh, here's this trademark that's not worth anything or worth very little. Let's try to build it up again and capitalize it without doing any of the fucking work that the original company did in order to make it fuzzy in our memories and in our nostalgic belly. 
You know, not doing the work to uh, produce a, a console or or produce a, a Cabbage Patch Kids, kids. You know, or to do the handhelds. But people still remember them. So let's just tap into that. And unfortunately, uh, the pattern I see is guys from a, a toy background seeing how they've already capitalized in the toy market coming into video games. And I spoke about that before, people getting into greater video games or selling video games in general. A lot of those guys, or a portion of them, have come from toys. And I think the problem is, is Coleco is particularly ripe for that. Well, not anymore. But Coleco is particularly ripe for that because they did go into toys. They weren't just video games. They did go into... I mean, they a lot of it was games, but they did do the Cabbage Patch Kids. Mm-hmm. They did do um, the mini arcades, which sure. at that point is... A, I mean, that you buy those from toy stores. They're standalone. So... It bleeds the line, I think, for those people, and they see something that they think they can capitalize on. So just a reminder, then, when you see Coleco in the future, you have to displace the memories and recognize that what you thought of Coleco in the 80s... Which, I mean, Coleco's, like, my favorite, and I think it's yours, but it's my favorite pre-NES ColecoVision system. was yeah. my favorite pre-NES yeah. system. That's dead and gone and ain't coming back. Any game coming out in the future, uh, and this all comes down to trying to control what products are, are coming out for ColecoVision. That's what this all comes down to. Yes. They're, they want to be able to control what has that official rainbow Coleco and ColecoVision logo on it with their quote-unquote stamp of approval like, like Nintendo tried to do, try to license games. The problem it means, is... It means so much. The problem is there's no legal standing to have licensed ColecoVision games because anyone can make them legally. As long as it's an IP that that doesn't exist already, right. and you're not infringing on a trademark, I sure can create that. any game I want. If I go up to say, I don't know, a, a random person out there, Danny Sullivan, hey Danny, I want to do Danny Sullivan's Indie Heat on ColecoVision. As long as I said, yeah, Pat, you can use my name, I can create that game. I want to make Danny Sullivan makes breakfast for the ColecoVision. Uh, that'd be, that'd be, that's, we'll, we'll talk to Danny. We have a, you know, we have we, an in. Maybe. We have an in with Danny. We pretend we have an in with we Danny. Don't, we, don't, yeah. we don't have an in with Danny. But at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. So, not that the Coleco brand is dead and gone forever, but it's dead and gone in the current hands. Yeah. Because there isn't coming back from this. And then I also saw, I think, posted today attacking the uh, the person that owns Atari Age. Saying, like, how could you do this? And then referencing... Uh, it's always good when you get to the point where you reference a Martin Luther King quote in order to defend yourself because you think you're being bullied. Uh, by the way, I will defend Albert um, to the death. Oh, on, on Atari Age? Yeah. Sure. Oh, yeah. The owner? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'll take a bullet for Albert. <laughs> And uh, so that's where we're going to... I owe Albert five sandwiches and a bullet. It's too much sandwiches <laughs> at this point. Yeah. It's too much sandwiches. I'm going to have to just rent Chris's Liquor in Delhi for a day just to make all the sandwiches. <laughs> sandwiches we'll, you know what? Maybe we'll do. We'll have a big Atari Age party. A big Atari, Atari Age Con San Diego 2018 Sandwich Festival. 90-minute free sandwiches. Get on in, eat, eat, work in the line. We're, we're doing the cutter. We're doing the cutter. Hey, what do you want? You want the pursuit? Hey, yeah, I got the pursuit. The pursuit. All right, there we go. <laughs> Fun times. Ian, you know we talk about Justice League a lot on the show, and um, the teaser trailer really left an impression on us, in particular on you. So um, enjoy uh, uh, the reaction to this teaser on the Best of the CU podcast.
You want to watch the Justice League trailer together just so we get a recap of yeah, it? Yeah, let's, let's, let's do this together. All right. So where to begin on that Justice League trailer, Ian? November comes out. We have, uh, was it Wonder Woman in a few months, right? A couple months? Yeah. Um, <laughs> where to begin? The fact that, are they searching for sunlight? Is that the Justice League yeah, issue? I, I mean, I think that's what it's got to be. Uh... <laughs> So, I mean... <laughs> we're we're going to try to be... Uh, I know we have uh, people... Half It's going to get 50% down votes just because people are going to say we're DC haters. I'm not even going to try to say that Ian likes some DC stuff, and I do, because that's the truth. Yeah. But this does not look appetizing to me. No, it doesn't, it doesn't look appetizing at all. So, here we go. For the first... I believe you'll recall that I actually tried to say some positive things about the, the teaser trailer. Did you really? I was like, it could be f- funny. I mean, they're trying to show. Was our stenographer? Oh, I, I was just like, I, I no, I didn't have anything positive to say about. It. I didn't have anything <laughs> negative to say about it. I You're said, neutral. I said, okay. I said they're trying to add some levity here, and I said, okay, Bruce is going around cracking jokes. Oh, the Comic Con one. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, but this doesn't really show anything. But they've gone to the Zack Snyder area of humor, yes. where. Every line delivered is funny. Besides, I think, uh, the, the Barry Allen delivery of The Flash, everyone else are right. reciting lines as if they tr- are trying to sound cool. And and that's what I realized on this, was only Barry Allen's delivery is actually humorous to me. Because it's natural. Everyone else is delivering cringeworthy... Quips. Quips. I'm rich. Which is, I don't think, well, I don't know if Batman would ever say that, first of all. You guys ready? She with you? I mean, it's... Oh. Dig the suit. Yeah. It's like, okay. Like I, a bat. I, it, it, all of these all of these comedic levity moments are as fucking uh, stiff as the dead corpse Zack Snyder fucks in his backyard for pleasure. <laughs> they're all like four or five words long. And, I mean, they're, they're, they're just... They're miserable. My bigger problem, though, is... And now it's... It has nothing to do with Zack Snyder um, loving uh, prison rape or <laughs> touching dead bodies inappropriately. Uh, it has everything to do with the fact that I never need to see another movie that looks like that ever again. It, there's a greenish-blue filter put on everything Yes, that makes it... I, I You want nice hues and contrast to your comic book movie colors. Yes. You could do something darker or more serious, like Civil War, and still be able to tell that Spider-Man's suit is red and blue. Right. Like, that's not a bad thing. You can have daytime battles. Hell, like, all the fights in Civil War were during the daytime. The only one you could say was murky was the last one, but they're in the fucking Arctic. So that's why it wasn't sunshine coming through. But everything else was, like, daytime action, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I just... Yeah. Everything you can tell is green screen to death. All the fucking fight scenes look like cutscenes from video games, uh, especially the. I mean, uh, Jason Momoa looks fantastic. He does, but having him uh, come up and jumping, you know, in front of a green screen, throwing his harpoon or trident, you know, it's a green screen shot. It's it looks like the same exact bullshit from the beginning of Man of Steel, like the same sort of aesthetic, rocky and craggy backgrounds. It's just it's just it visually looks, uninteresting. It looks like every movie he's directed since. Um... 300. I'll even say uh, this cyborg cyborg uh, does not look good. 
in terms of the once once someone tweeted me one of like a PS PS3 cutscene, and I don't disagree. When you first see him, it's shaky, but they yeah. have time though. They do have time. Yeah. They have about uh, seven months they could fix. This, they can fix that, which is fine. So I'm not going to get on that. I'm just getting get, get on the fact that um, it just seems kind of still tone deaf to what I think the Justice League should be. Mm-hmm. You you probably are a bigger Justice, Justice League fan than I am. Uh, oh yeah, a bit more. I mean, I, like I said, I do like DC, but. Um, I'm also not like a huge Avengers fan, so much like I mean, it, it's kind of the DC analogy. I the the super teams don't do a whole lot for me. I prefer more individual stories. Um, but yeah, I do. That is the problem. I do actually kind of like the Justice League, and it just it doesn't seem like a good fit. Just like, um, fucking Man of Steel didn't he- fit. Even the fucking Batmobile scene is, is, is all CG. It's not uh, they couldn't find a real fucking road. Well, what's sad that? is like, I feel bad for Ben Affleck in this. Uh, I feel bad for a lot of the people acting in this because it's like, I just imagine that that's not a very fun movie to film. No, it's like doing the, it's like doing the Star Wars, Wars movies. movies. You're, yeah. you're just in front of a fifty foot green screen. I'm trying to. Honestly, I don't even want to bring up the word Marvel in this because then people are going to go fanboys this and fanboys that. But at least Marvel looks like they're using at least a decent number of good sets. Besides, I'm trying to see. There's the one outside where Affleck's looking over. That looks like a real shot from a helicopter. There's like inside uh, Flash's little lair. That's a real set. Wonder the bars are real set. Yeah. But all the battles are all just CG to hell. All of them. And that's what, besides Wonder Woman, like, sweeping the guy. In, that's what I'm saying, that, that, that part looks... But everything else, though, I'm sorry, it just sort of turns me off. And you can say, well, you're nitpicking. No, I, I mean, we're too used to it. Because, I hate to say it, Marvel is, is figuring out how to do it, incorporate things together. I no longer have the fire to get so worked up about it, because I, I knew better, I guess, than to really expect anything different. But... The Barry Allen character is fairly interesting. That looks interesting. And I'd like Jason Momoa, and I I have lost faith in this attempt at making an interesting Aquaman, but I, I still kind of want to see what they do with it. However, I just don't want to watch another movie like this that looks that way. It just way. looks all gritty and ashy, and you're like, all right. If, if the DCU somehow manages to move on beyond this, maybe I will go see the Aquaman movie well, if I want to see how Aquaman is portrayed. I think or I'll see to, the Flash movie to think, go see how that's well, portrayed. Wonder Woman also has the, those muted colors. Uh, uh, yeah. So I think we're trying to work through the Zack Snyder aesthetic that once you get the Justice League, and then hopefully after that... It goes away. You'll get a colorful... Uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, the Green Lantern movie because it's supposed to be multiple Green Lanterns. Uh, uh, interesting. So, so that'll hopefully be colorful. You're in space. Flash, you're better to have color. I will say this. I will give this uh, trailer credit. It doesn't give away the main villain. Nope. That's a great point. <laughs> and it doesn't give away spoilers, the fact that Superman's going to be returning to this somewhere. Yeah. So that's that was good. Well, hopefully, Well, hopefully the next trailer doesn't. I think they'll probably have to do some sort of reveals by then. They're going to have all the posters anyway, you know. Yeah, but I mean, I do like that. The, yeah, no, this uh, and and you know, just to prove I'm not a Marvel fanboy, I have not watched the Spider-Man trailer, and I will not watch the Spider-Man trailer because I Damn heard it. it was a horrible mess of bullshit with tons of. Sp- uh, well, it was spoilerific. I might talk about it myself, but it was too spoilerific. So, 
credit to them for actually making this not spoilery. Unfortunately, it showcased too much of that shitty directing style I don't want. Can we talk about the trailer having a, a, a Beatles song about peace uh, being, a, a, you know, sort of... The, I, I, I guess they, they, they thought there was successful because of fucking Suicide Squad using Queen and getting people excited about that trailer. Well, they heard, they, they um, heard the words come together and they were like, well, yeah. all the superheroes yeah. are going to come together, you, so... You could definitely know that was a Zack Snyder so, sort of <laughs> Well, come together. Even that Beatles song should be taken literally, right? It's not about, you know, peace and harmony. It's about, you know, people battling... Getting together. bugs and, and throwing <laughs> Trident's room in front of a green screen. That... that I, when I... If, if, if I showed that to Frank, he would probably th- throw my laptop at, through the window. Patrick, please. <laughs> please. We've done a lot of uh, scumbag sellers in the CU podcast before, but this one might take the cake, or at least be in the top five. This is the fake Atari 2600 Air Raid seller on the Best of the CU podcast. We haven't done this in a while, have we? No, we haven't. Now I'm going to put in the reverb for for you guys. The scumbag seller of the week, week, week. I said I will put the reverb in later. Yeah, well, you know, reverb that <laughs> reverb. Um, this, this is, is this is a fucking mess of a story. You can start it then. Okay. Sorry, I, I just, I mean, so it's not Anda. Someone Atari in Games Australia. <laughs> Was put an Atari up for sale. Put an Atari, yeah, with five games, and twenty six hundred, uh, yeah, and one of them was a box complete copy of Air Raid. Air Raid, if you didn't know, is probably the rarest known. It's one of the rarest games. Yeah. Um, you can go into Gamma Attack or Red Crossing, but it's the holy grail of Atari twenty six hundred collecting. Correct, and um. It... It's it's hard to, to to start the story because it's weird. So basically, someone saw it and did a side door. Someone saw this, and did a side a side door deal basically, um, and went over and offered about a uh, five hundred dollars. We we think that's what happened. We're not we sure. think we think. Well, a lot of this seems it's, fabricated. It, yeah. Then another one goes up for sale. Looks a lot like the original with a sticker slightly moved around from the same seller. From the same seller. Um, Air Raid is very unique in the fact that it comes in a, a sky blue shell uh, with a T handle on the top. And the pictures of this one show a T handle on the top. But when you compare it to the original, it's obviously a fabrication. Someone took a blue PVC T joint <laughs> And super glued the fucker to yeah. the top of the cartridge. Yeah. It's painted it blue. Painted it blue and slapped the label on it. Because, oh, by the way, this is courtesy of Atari Age. Um, they seem like uh, a, a good group of people that, to hang out with. I'd, I'd have a beer with them. Um, they pointed out that one of the more hilarious aspects of this cartridge is, uh, you, if you look, you can actually see the paint flaking off on the bottom of, of the cartridge. Yeah. So, anyways... Um, they get into this whole back and forth, uh, the Atari Age forum with this uh, lady, uh, who says that it was her father-in-law's, and she's just trying to sell stuff, and uh, she's not saying she's not. Oh, claim- it's her deceased father-in-law. Her deceased father-in-law, right? 
Deceased father-in-law. So we're going for the sympathy. Like, look, if someone lost a family member, that's sad. But this is classic scammer 101 sure. right here that we are seeing. I don't know what I have. It's from a deceased person's estate. I can't tell if it's real or not. So tell you what, let's meet in the middle somewhere. So, so this is what probably happened. They run this weird story about, like, the same events in 2010 where it just happens to be in the picture... It's a rare game that's worth a lot of money. And then they close the auction to gain credibility that, hey, I sold this to someone cheap, and I happen to have another one. Not just a game that there's only, like, three in existence that are boxed, but I got two of them. Um, so it builds some sort of weird credibility. They sell the second one, and then when people start looking at the picture of the cart and realize, Does, are those glue marks? Yeah. Is that two different pieces? Because an air raid cart is one plastic molded piece. And there's no overlap. Like, it, it went, But there's huge overlap Plus, on the... On the uh... As someone pointed out, the box looks like shit. The box looks clearly like like a scan of one that already exists, because right. there's only a few of them that so, has the same creases on it. I think it's the so. guy who runs Atari Age. It, so there was a picture of his... There's a picture of his box, and you can see creases in the lower uh, left-hand corner of his box. And not only does the counterfeit box look like shit in terms of DPI, but um, oh, you, can, you see. can see where they used the picture, the previous picture, to make the counterfeit box yeah. because there are fake crease marks yeah. in the lower left-hand corner. Yeah, so if you're trying to do a fake air raid, it's pretty tough for the boxes because, like I said, there's like three boxes. So if you do an air raid box fake, there's not much to go off of in terms of, of faking it. It's not like trying to fake a, even a stadium events box where you can find a lot more pictures. Like I said, there's only about three boxes. And it's not like this is a... a, a who cares? Because a complete inbox air raid went for like over thirty thousand dollars a few years ago. Yeah, like this game is so incredibly rare that they weren't entirely sure it was called air raid until they discovered the box, and that was only like six years ago. Right, because the you label know, doesn't like that. the label doesn't say the it. Doesn't on say there. It. So what was even weirder was they they actually went back to change the story. Now, of course, they know nothing, right? I mean, they're innocent. They're, they're totally innocent. I got a dead dad well, or something. Well, what we've been told, we what we didn't show in the picture, what we didn't notice before was that it says beta copy on the outside of the box and it says beta copy on the manual. So uh, what we might have here, the reason why the handle might look weird is because we have a, a fucking totally unique thing. You fucking scum fucks. They're not going to put a beta copy of anything in a production box for a company that they're not even still clear about where the hell this came from by no, the way but, um, but you're not going to print you're not going to do a full label for a beta essentially a prototype yeah they're not going to do a full label full packaging they're not going to put a fucking manual in a beta copy of a game so yeah. that's also horseshit so menavision which was the people that published <laughs> this they think there was some sort of i think um you atari age people correct me in the comments that I think they thought it was some sort of based out of some subsidiary in California, I believe, but then it came from somewhere else in maybe South America. I think it's a weird story like that they're not even totally positive. Again, it's so like the game was coded somewhere imported, else and then and then they imported okay. it. Um, again, like this is a game that loose goes for thousands, um, and again they didn't discover the real name with the box. They always thought it could be Air Raid. But they didn't find the box until fairly recently. And I think there's only one copy with the, with the manual, too. And by the way, this one has a manual. Of course, it's totally different. You know, 
So it, the the whole thing stinks. Obviously, the whole thing stinks. This person sucks ass. Um, it, it's funny. It, it, it gets better. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I think you're better. about to say the same thing. It, it gets better. Not only is this slander. Not, not only is this pickup only in Australia. So I guess the person went into the Atari Age forums. The person the with the alleged uh, air raid multiple carts and Rosa. What, Rosa. They they posted updates on the eBay. Yeah, I know. They uh, <laughs> going after the administrator of the Atari Age forums, um, saying just to clear up any discrepancies, this item, the item in question, belongs to my late father. Capitalized. The advert was written up by my husband, and that's who wrote father-in-law. Uh, then a bunch of other bullshit. Again, belonged to my late fa- fa- father. We're not familiar with this collection and don't know its true value. We put it on eBay, listed it correctly, never mentioned the word authentic, nor, nor are we saying it is. Hands clean. It's fake, but we're not saying it's 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 not fake. You know, this goes back to the, the proto. This goes back to the bootleg story I told at Luna. It's you, just because you didn't say that doesn't mean that it's it, you it's can't. yeah. It, it's 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 your responsibility. We were in the process of talking to cash converters, which I guess is some sort of business down there, and also obtaining an AFA rating through a software house or a comic shop. I guess they get it authenticated. Yeah, because you're going to authenticate an air raid down in Australia that easily. Yeah. You know. um, we will also try EB Games. Yeah, that'll work. Mm-hmm. EB Games. That, uh, they, they, they're going to know about an air raid cart. Um, we feel that we've been wrongly accused of scamming or, or misrepresenting the item. <laughs> we are open for anyone to come and view the item at any time during the day or early evening. Once again, classic scammer uh, behavior we, when, when we, things start to go wrong. We have also notified eBay that members of the Atari Age Forum are trying to shut down our auction. By the way, the grammar is fucking horrific it, in this, by the way. They, they, they space... They space before punctuation and after punctuation. Yeah, so there's like two spaces before the comma and one after. This I could understand and also accept if all the allegations were true. Our advert clearly states its description correctly. This product, as mentioned, was my father's. It's the fourth time they mentioned it. Yes. And how it's advertised is correct. It's an air raid game. Because we don't know of, of it of it origins, it's been advertised as is. So I, all I ask is people to keep their opinions to, them, to themselves. And if you have any questions, please email us. If Atari Age continues with the slander, I'll, I will make sure appropriate action will be taken to have it stopped. And then they said they do. I feel them. that I have been attacked and accused in disrespect to my late father, fifth time mentioned. Any further comments should be refrained. Thank you in one word. And there's more. There's more. So much more. Just a quick note. The, 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 just just it, the clips notes. All caps. Yeah. The boys in the Atari Age forum all say this is fake. Let's go with that, boys, if that makes you happy. Fake, fake, fake. Air raid, fake, fake, fake. This is the seller. This is in, in, this is the, in the eBay listing. This is in the eBay listing, which I'll link to. It which, keeps going. Perhaps you can all throw a party now. Yippee, yay. And you call me a liar? Oh, just not sure what I actually lied about. Is there something I missed in my listing? Or perhaps you boys can't read. LOL. Well, and here's what's humorous. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but by admitting it's fake right in the eBay listing, isn't that just completely? De- I mean, de- like destroying more. the terms of service. There's more than the, in big bold capital Atari Air Raid old reproduction, old reproduction. Production. Yeah, I'm sure they glued one together in 1986. <laughs> There's more. Uh, in saying that the above about being an overproduction, we do not know for sure at the receiving. It's fucking batshit crazy. No, it's insane. This is absolutely insane. No. I hope they add us to this yeah. auction because this is great. Add me. Um, uh, sue me for slander. And then finally, 
Albert Yaruso, owner of the Tarage Forums this afternoon, was reported to the Cyber Crimes Unit of the Australian Federal Police. Quick, Albert, get a tent and head to the woods. His, his website at Tarage has been slanderous against our family by purporting that we are fraudsters. Despite numerous requests were made for him to cease the thread, but all has failed. We have tried to work with him, but all to no avail. Two spelled wrong, T-O-O. All emails and website links have been forwarded to the AFP for review against him and defamation and bullying, which is a serious <laughs> crime, and carries a prison sentence if convicted. I'm sure the U.S. would yes. extradite right away to Australia. <laughs> this is very serious. You fucking bully trying to keep people from buying fake bullshit. <laughs> it's just insane. I would like to thank Atari Age for uh, giving us two fantastic threads in about two months, because they really have. Just the best work reading I've had in, oh a, in a minute. Uh, I so, want to see this added to this thread. Yeah. Uh, and there's questions and answers too afterwards, but uh, you can, it, this is the best, could be the best uh, scumbag seller ever. Come at me, Rosa. I'm just going to say this, if Rosa's your real name, and if if your dead uh, father-in-law had this, it doesn't fucking matter if your dead cat gave you this game. It's your responsibility to know what you are selling when it's a game that goes for tens of thousands of dollars in this condition that you have to do your research for. And then if people say, hey, this is fake, you don't wash your hands of it. Yeah. Which, Re by the way, if you wash your hands in Australia, the water goes the other way around the drain. Boom. Um, yeah. Reoccurring theme in this podcast. Uh, you cannot... You cannot try to pass off something as fake and, and, then, and then be like, and then when someone calls you out afterwards, be like, oh, we didn't know, or oh, all you had to do is ask me, or oh, we weren't claiming it was real. You can't do that. You cannot claim ignorance. It doesn't work with the police. It doesn't work. It doesn't work in a court of law. And please, please add us to this eBay listing. It, it would make my day. It would. It would be an uh, honor, Rosa. Yes. I was sick for a long, long time, and I was uh, unfortunately out of commission and was doing very infrequent podcasts. Um, I was not a fan of this, but everyone loves this, and Pat loved it as well. So check out my return on e's, the best of. It's E's triumphant return on yes. the best of the CU podcast. Welcome to this completely unnecessary podcast for Tuesday, February, February 28th, 2017. I'm Pat Contry. I'm your host. And uh, I'm trying to get excited to do this podcast, but, you know, um, there's some news that you guys should know about, and it's not the happiest, um, and it has to do with my co-host, and, uh, you know, we waited months to announce this, but officially, you know, it's it's one of those things where you don't want, it's, it's hard to bring yourself to talk about these things, but, you know, it's like... <laughs> What the? Wait! Wait a, wait a minute! Is that, is that Ian? Is that Ian on the singing podcast? My God! In all my years! I never thought I'd see this day! My God! It's Ian! Ian on the singing podcast! <laughs> you fucking know that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it fucking hurts. <laughs> you can hear the chants, people! Oh, God damn it. This is all his idea. I wanted nothing to do with that.
in an upcoming uh, console we discussed a few times, uh, and the, the person running it didn't like how we were critical of the product. We had an apology about it. This is the Intellivision Amico apology on the Best of the CU podcast. So, Ian, you know, con- controversy the past week. It's something we felt we should, uh, we should respond to. I almost feel like we should, we should apologize for how we spoke about the Intellivision Amico. Because <laughs> um, we weren't harsh enough? Um, y- you know, I, 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 I am blinded, and now I now see that we should not be critical at all... Of anything. ...of a new console coming out based upon a, a, a uh, IP that hasn't been popular since 1981. But you got the price wrong. I got the price wrong, which I corrected in that original YouTube video comment, and then the second... I corrected myself. So, but, but because I said that, I, I apologize. All our points are now moot and invalid. Yes. Because I got the price wrong. I also apologize for saying that it's uh, digital only when uh, apparently there might be physical games released for it, but we're not, we don't know. In all seriousness, um, Tommy Tallarico, uh, you know, went after us on Twitter. This is the latest way I can put it. And it, and it got more onerous. He took on uh, Ben Shapiro qualities. He said, he actually said, debate me. Yes. Did you see that one yes, tweet? he said, debate me. And I, even uh, Mike Kennedy never said, debate me. He just called us drunken. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. But it's not really, it wouldn't be a debate. It would just be a, a, you know, a difference of opinion of where we think the market is for a, a console that isn't even out yet for at least 14 months, by the way. So it's not like there's a track record we can even go off of for a, a new company like this. And it is a new company. This is a, 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 you know, a restart. You know, a, you know, this is a reboot of a brand you know, that's been kicked around and, and you know, hasn't been really utilized besides you know, putting out you know, uh, packs of, 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 of old games. You know? Right. So, I mean, how, do, how are you supposed to judge what they're doing uh, here? Uh, all I know is this, Ian. We're al- basically, we're allowed to have an opinion, and if you don't think there's enough info out there, then it probably started too soon. But I'm allowed to form an opinion off of info that's out there. The website is paltry, and, and that's putting it lightly. The website has more room dedicated to pictures of, of colored uh, console variants in CG mock-ups versus the actual information that we are supposed to have or being criticized for not having. But this system is going to be different. Because it totally didn't make a huge deal out of announcing color variations at uh, E3. So it has, for example, I'll run through the website because this is really quick. And I'm not reading press releases. Uh, no one reads press releases, by the way. Press releases go to website. They get, they get churned out real quick. And after that, you forget about them. Your, your website is supposed to give us the info we need. Uh, easy touch screen. Disk and motion controls. Okay. Effortless menu screen system. I have no idea what that means. Because any to me any menu should be screen should be effortless. Games focused on all skill levels. Okay, the Karma trademark gaming engine. Any information on that on the website? I don't know. I don't see it. Interactive lighting guidance system. I guess it means LED lights on the console. Cool, it's ritzy looking. Affordable, under two hundred dollars. Mia culpa. In the first video, I said two hundred to two fifty or two hundred to three hundred, and then it's under two hundred. Okay, it's under two hundred after tax and shipping. It'll probably be two hundred dollars. You know, after that. And we're not even talking about extra controllers or anything else you might need to get up and running uh, there. Games, three bucks to ten bucks. 
Okay, we knew that. I don't think we spoke out of turn with that. I think we said something like that range. Uh, originally, to, they were supposed to be three to eight. eight three to eight bucks. So, okay. And uh, there was something that I read somewhere that said, if there are physical games, they would probably have to break that $10 barrier. Okay. Which is fine. That's understandable. Just making sure we get all the information. Yeah, make, make sure that we parrot everything on, on the website here that looks like it was coded in 1999. Um, five packing games. Uh, which we mentioned last time there'll be five packing games. Uh, so I, apparently we'll hear uh, about those at E3 2020. Okay, so, great. great. All right, no DLC in that purchases, loot boxes or ads, wherever I heard that before. Uh, it starts with a C, ends with a chameleon. Um, family, all games rated. We, yeah, we went through this before. Family, family. Family, no violence or bad family. language. Games everyone can play. Positive reinforcement, parental controls. Don't know what that means. So, so That sounds like... Uh, never mind. Di- diverse and unique game library. Curated, quality controlled games. Again, that sounds familiar. Connect up to eight mobile devices with free app. Okay, that's interesting to see how that's going to work. And I'm guessing that means for extra puzzle games or, or party games where they become extra controllers. That's actually the only interesting thing I've read so far. On this website. And there are lots of games that already do that on, like, the PlayStation 4. Well, like the Jackbox Party games. And Brennan Floss's uh, Use Your Words right. game does that. It interfaces with the TV and different controllers. So it's not new tech. It's cool to see it used. It's actually kind of hard to get that going. Top-notch developers, okay, the biggest licensed intellectual properties. Earthworm Jim is not the biggest licensed intellectual property. Neither is Shark Shark. But I just think that's funny to see. Blah, blah, blah. And as you can see, these are all just words here with no examples of anything. There's no video of any of this in operation. Uh, again, we are at least 14 months out from the release of a console, yet we are the ones that are getting attacked. And we're getting attacked in, in the strangest of places, Ian. Yeah. Um, so uh, Tommy and his army of ad hominem loving yes men on the uh, Atari Age um, and television board. Uh, it, it was humorous because they immediately went to attacking our looks because they don't have any information they can use to back up why this is going to be a massive success either. So sorry for being critical of your product, but that doesn't mean I was coming after you personally. You can't take criticism. It's hilarious how little you can take criticism, which is why you're hiding in your Atari age board surrounded by people who are just effortlessly nodding their head up and down and saying, yes, Tommy, this will be great. And they, they like that, you know, Tommy's doing a lot of these interviews with one of the individuals he did an interview with when after us, David Giltatan? David Gilt David Giltatan, that's a tough name to pronounce. I thought it was Gillibrand. Used but... to, whatever. He used to be the editor of Retro Magazine for Mike Kennedy. And when the Coleco Chameleon... Uh, kerfuffle was happening uh, D- uh david took it upon himself to parrot whatever mike kennedy said and attacked people like me and you as being conspiracy theorists about the console even after the new york toy show happened yep when it was clear at that point that it wasn't just a bad idea it was at that point a scam at that at that point in time but he held on until the end he held on until the end and then he had the balls to attack me on Twitter, which I thought was like, wow, dude, really? Okay. Yeah, and then you brought up uh, him uh, throwing us under the bus for something that we were right on, and he, he said, said, oh, I don't have time for this. That's in the past. That's in the past. I don't have time that's for this. That's in the past. Can't talk about that now. Zero credibility to interview anyone in the video game sphere forever at that point to me. You should be out of the industry at that point. I'm not going to mix words about yeah. it. Falling in line with no falling falling so, in line behind a console that you haven't seen anything of without any questions is not something that you easily write off. It makes you a hack. So so this is my point. 
if what you are celebrating is Tommy communicating on the internet in podcasts or videos with people of that caliber who have no journalistic integrity or even common sense to even conduct a critical interview, then you have nothing at this point that I want to hear about. I mean, absolutely nothing. Words are meaningless when it comes to products that are 14 months in advance. This isn't like he brought up, well, what if they, what if Doug Bowser wanted to talk to them? Would they, would they turn down Doug Bowser? No, because Nintendo's a company that's been around for over a hundred years, putting out products consistently with a, with an extremely great track record. Yeah. That's a little bit different than a, than oh, basically that makes a, us fanboys. It's, it's different from a new startup for a console that's still in prototypical form, if you want to say that, that we have little information on that we can go off of. It's a little bit different. And it, it's surprising that in the, the, in the matter of one or two years, when people loved our commentary on Atari Age, I'm not saying all Atari Age people, uh, because even uh, Albert, who runs Atari Age, was disgusted by us being attached physically, and he, and he weighed in saying, you can't do that anymore. Physically? We, we, people made fun of our oh, physical fair. looks. Oh, yeah, that, sure. They said I weighed, weighed 50 pounds dripping wet, which I, I've never been accused of being skinny in my life, which I think is hysterical, by the way. But I just think it's funny that they, they have Tommy on the, on the thread here. We'll link the thread. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh! Yes. Oh! Amico! Anyways, it's a weird group of cheerleaders. It's weird. It's really weird. And it's getting harder and harder for me to be impartial now in terms of me wanting this to be a success or fail the more I get attacked by Tommy Tallarico. That's all I'm going to say. Because we had the gall to not immediately say this is going to be the best thing ever. And apparently we know nothing about pre-NES consoles, or as I do. Even though, you know... No, the Atari 5200 definitely you know, isn't one of my favorite consoles. We, 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 <laughs> it's not like we had a show called The Video Game Years... That started in 77, and we talked about all the, all the old games that Tommy himself was on this show, and none of it makes sense. It's whatever narrative you want to construct about us being haters for something where, where Ian publicly said, and I said, we don't want to fail. This is why we don't think it's a good idea, and, and because we're not cheerleading something that... I've also vocally on this podcast criticized Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo... And just about every other major player in the console game. So the uh, the hide your head in the sand and say we're fanboys excuse doesn't cut it. So one person said, by the way, there was no, in, the, in this thread, unlike the chameleon in, in the retro v- VGS, there was no links to our commentary, which I thought was, was, was cute. Mm. I wonder if it wasn't allowed or they said, no, we can't have anything negative at all here. But the one person that did say... <clears throat> They, they think we didn't say anything unreasonable about the Amico last episode. Tommy just came off a podcast where he convinced a doubter and several of you praised him for the interview. And then everyone started going in about why we were wrong. Uh, and Tommy had, had a nail in about uh, what he's trying to do here. Um, let, he said, let the hardcores hate and not understand all they want. It doesn't affect our mission or goal at all. And again, once they actually play it and see their non-gaming friends having fun together... They're all of a sudden start to understand what we felt growing up and what has been missing for over a decade in the gaming industry. I have a lot of non-gaming friends that have had fun with the Switch. A lot of family-friendly games on that, too. But, hey, pointing that out makes me a fanboy. You're a fanboy now, Ian. Well, you're an anti-fanboy. You're, you're an anti-television hater. You don't know anything about the television or anything know. before I the NES. don't know anything. I never played Mousetrap with my cousins or 
played pole position on the 7800. I don't know what I'm talking about. I never played arcade games that came out before the NES. I didn't do any of that. We're, we're gatekeeping, Ian. We're anti-gatekeeping. We're gatekeeping... <laughs> so it, it's fun. I'll, I'll, I'll link it here. Tom, you know, Tommy was talking about how we're not being fair at all to him. Um, the point... This is the point. This, that is the point people are trying to make, and why they are attacking Pat the Punk and the long-haired dude. My name's Ian, Tommy. It's not hard. Tommy, to look up. Tommy, you might have met Ian. I think. Did you? Did you meet before? No, I don't think I met him. But still, it's not hard to find my name. But hey, I understand That's, how this goes. Okay, I think I think Tommy's made it personal officially. Can you I, say that? Well, he took it personal from the minute go or the word go because you know we didn't. We had we had doubts. They keep giving bad info. They they are unwilling to have a normal adult and mature conversation about it. This is a guy who said debate me on Twitter wants to have a mature conversation. Instead, they'll keep giving bad info based on the wrong data they have because they are too lazy to do ten minutes of research. I just went to the website, Tommy. There's nothing there that still convinced me that this is a good idea. I'm sorry. There's nothing there. Um, and I don't need insider info. Like, if, if we need insider info to suddenly think this is a good idea, then it should probably be on the website. Easier to just turn the cameras on, hate it, and then get into a Twitter war to get more views. Tommy, this isn't me being arrogant. More people know who, who, who I am on YouTube than you are. I'm not getting more views based upon talking about you versus people that already know me. That's just silly. That's just silly. Uh, they should be ashamed of themselves for the way they've handled this. Shame, shame. Oh my shame, god, shame. It's embarrassing. But we're the ones that should be embarrassed because we're not just you know we're not drinking the Kool Aid that everyone else is. Apparently, when it comes down to this. Okay. All right. Anyways, that's probably good. So I'm going to say this: I might have to downgrade Atari Age from sandwiches to just like a couple appetizers you off the share. <laughs> I still love you, Atari Age, but this is a uh, don't throw the whole Atari Age. No, I'm not. Bus. But you know, it's it's disappointing that they're not they're not really allowing uh, any sort of negativity at all. Oh, okay. The last post, uh, the the Amica will not find. This is not me saying this, but this is just stuff we've said. The Amica will not find much brand association with the younger audience. The majority of the public under the age of forty have no clue or what intelligent is or was. I would say that's correct, Ian. Yes. Remakes and more modern takes on old games isn't a new thing. The intelligent name wouldn't even need to be part of this venture to be successful, in my opinion. It's there, sure, and Tommy is very passionate about it for sure. But old intelligent owners are not going to make this thing successful. Yeah, you could you could call it anything, and intelligence not going to that's it's not going to matter it's the going to have the same chances of success the masses don't give a shit about shark shark or really any of the original intellivision ips of old they'll they'll be fun to play i'm sure but the majority of people will not be running with wallets open to play such games based on previous positive enjoyment with those titles i would agree Ian. yes i would agree uh earthworm jim now you're talking i'm not i'm not totally on board with that but okay this has that has potential to be a system seller uh, thing is, Earthworm Jim isn't known to have association with Intellivision at, at all. Real quick, this is all I'm going to say. Um, from from what we know, we know that this is not going to be a system even probably near close to the power of Nintendo Switch, from what we've heard. And we'll be shocked if it is. I don't know how complex of an Earthworm Jim game you're going to get. You know, that's all I'm going to say. Uh, again, Intellivision means nothing special, means nothing in that regard. Amico is better off standing on its own, as most people won't have a clue, and there'll be a fair number who might remember Intellivision in, in a negative manner for whatever reason. He's absolutely right. 
Mm-hmm. Not everyone remembers Intel always remembers it to be good. We always remember that that's such a weird system that the Atari beat, you know, beat up and that no one remembers anymore. Uh, the main one uh, would be was often called a horrible controller. Uh, I'm liking a lot of what I've seen in the videos of the Amico. I remember in television from back in the day, but I'm also I'm also one of the people who hate the original controller. I look at the new controller and I'm worried about it based solely on my previous use of the original television controller. Well, I would like to insert something here. For a system that's supposed to appeal to non-gamers and family, it's keeping a lot of strange things that would definitely only appeal to people who had it when they were growing up. That, there's, there's, there's a ve- this whole thing has a very split. It's for this, but then why is everything appealing to this older collector? There's market? no reason for it to be, look like an Intellivision controller. The no. disc pad is was awful to use. It's not precise. It's it's f- like floaty a little bit, and the side action buttons really limit your enjoyment of playing a game or like a platformer try doing pl- try playing super mario brothers a game like that with side buttons like that and if we don't have all the insider info we need about the controller you probably should have thought about how people are going to look at that controller and go oh, that doesn't look like a very so, good controller to use what is the only off the top of my head the only reason why you'd want to uh, repeat an intellivision controller is so that you could rep- you could uh, have a new experience of the old way you played in television games, which would be the overlays, right? Look down at the overlays for, for games, yeah. and you press the buttons that are associated with it, right? Am I wrong? Which I thought was the coolest thing about it when it was announced. <laughs> okay, so but that's only going to be for your Intellivision remakes, for the most part, right? Well, I'm sure there's going to be more. They'll, uses, they'll think of more yes. games where it's really intuitive while you're playing to look down at a, your controller to press buttons. It's horrible to do that to begin with, and if that's the type of game experience you want, I don't think many people like that. I just don't in this day and age. The overlays thing is kitschy. It's cool. The Intellivision used it, and then the ColecoVision used it. Atari 5200. 5200. That's right. A system I that I don't love that I definitely know nothing about, but anyways. You don't love the 5200? I was no. joking. Remember, we don't like anything pre-Nintendo? No, we don't. I don't, I, I don't love the ColecoVision myself. Um, anyway, so... Um, you can't bank on 40-year-old games being remade to sell a, a console that's going to cost you $200, especially by the time this comes out next year, you're going to have, you know, the Switch Lite's $200, right? You have the PS5 is going to be out next year. You're going to have uh, maybe the next Xbox console out next Christmas as well. And then that means the Xbox One's going to be lowered in price. The PS4 is going to be lowered in price. These, this is what the Amico is competing with when it comes out. But we're at, fanboys for saying at that. $200. Fanboys. $200 to play mobile quality games. We're fanboys for pointing this out. Have fun spending $200 to play an updated Shark Shark. Have fun out there doing that. We'll, we'll see how long that makes the system last in the ecosystem. My house had ghosts back in the day. You may not agree, but either way, I spend a nice ghost story yarn or two on this segment. And you're going to listen to right now on the spooky of the CU podcast. Woo. We're already running out of time, but we got to talk some, yeah, pa- some ghost stories. Pat well, ghost stories. Yeah, Pat ghost stories, because I don't have any. All right. So, my house had ghosts. My house in New Jersey where I grew up. All right. Um, 
several there are several stories that happen, and maybe we'll come back and revisit them in greater detail. But ever since I'd say uh, seven or eight or maybe nine, um, it always started to feel weird in the house. <coughs> so I had a traditional split level. Uh, you know, you probably they they probably built all these houses in like the '60s. You know, when all the you know the baby boomers. You know, so you you have a house that's like almost like uh, it's two levels: stairwell in the middle, yep. going up diagonally. Uh, all stairs go up diagonally, except for the <laughs> circular ones. But you know, you have like a cube, and you have a hallway around, and the, you know, hallway around the stairwell, and then you have the rooms off to the side. You have the dining room, you have the kitchen, rec room, bedroom, bathroom. Bed. You know, it's like a, it's a square, and then upstairs you have a few rooms. I mean, these are how all these houses are. My my room was in the corner, we'll just say the northwest corner of the house. Uh, the furnace was outside of that, and the rec room was immediately there, and there was a bathroom next to it. Uh, I should probably draw this for the... I'll do like a drawing for the YouTube version. So a lot of things happened near that area of the house. In a particular, even if I went back tomorrow, I would still feel slightly weird and uncomfortable at home, uh, especially by myself and especially in that area of the house. Just a, not not necessarily you're creeped out, but just unease. You can't get comfortable, and so I'll just try to go through this real quick. But when I was five, I say four or five. So my sister is about four years older than me. Um, there was a story of my sister. Um, she got out of the the shower in the bathroom, which is right next to my room. You, if you turn left out of my out of the bathroom, you see my room. You turn right, <clears throat> you go around the hallway and out the other side. So. She walked past my room, and I was, I was having a nap, and she, my mom was, like, comforting me. My my sister just walked past. She just heard my mom, whatever. But then she walked into the rec room, and my mom was sitting there watching TV. And then she turned back into my room, and whatever she heard or person she saw was God. So after that moment, my sister never, ever would walk out of the bathroom past my room. She was always fearful or felt weird to walk that way towards the stairs, which was the opposite of the house to go up to her room. She would always walk the opposite way past my parents' bedroom. So, um, well, fast forward to, I think I was 11 or 12. Um, my mom used to get up at 5 a.m. The cats would wake her up. Or the cat at the time. We had two cats later. Cuddles. Lovely Cuddles. I like Rest in peace. She was a fierce cat. But her name was Cuddles. But she, would, she would get fed about 5, 5.30. It would not be uncommon for my mom to come to my room and, like, you know, re-tuck me back in, you know, put the blanket under real comfortably and warm me up. So that would happen often. Um, so it was one day, I was probably 12, 11, something like that, and my bed always had, it was always, like, positioned that it wasn't against the wall. There was always a space on the other side for uh, my nightstand, and then the other side you can walk either way. So I'm turning on one side. It was probably about 5 in the morning, 5.15, 5.20. And I heard, I felt someone rustling my sheets. And it is, it is, you know, I was half asleep, rustling the sheets. Like it's like, like, like my mom tucking me in. And I turned over. I go, "Mom, is that you?" And I saw this white thing. Now I had not good vision. At this point, my vision had deteriorated tremendously because of playing Nintendo and Hereditary. But do you wear contacts? Not anymore. I got LASIK. Oh, oh you know that? Really. I forgot. No, yeah, I remember now. So, I definitely saw this <laughs> white thing in front of my face, and with my bad vision, I couldn't really make it out, but it was there. Um, now, at the time, I was into alien stuff. So, I first thought, this is an alien thing, trying to abduct me, because I was into alien stuff. 
which was stupid because looking back, as as dumb as it sounds, it was much more logical that it was the same sort of ghost type character that my sister saw all those years before, trying to be my whatever protector or whatever in the room. Um, so I got freaked out, threw the covers over my head, and that was the most scared I ever been in my entire life, and didn't move for like literally two and a half hours in my bed, like terror, absolutely terrified. You can make the argument that I was just waking up, sure, but seeing whatever the hell I saw, that woke me up damn quick at that point. That was like cold water in my face. So after that, I couldn't sleep in my room uh, comfortably for years and years. Um, that sort of crystallized that feeling in that corner of the house that it feels fucking weird in this corner of the house. And it, honestly, and this is a cliche, but it was always a little bit cooler in my room too, and that's always a cliche about temperature drop. But you ask anyone in my family, that was true. You walk in my room, it felt like it dropped five degrees when you walked in the room. Fast forward, I'm in, uh, this is probably early 20s. Um, I'm, meeting, I'm meeting at the dining room table. And um, the dining room table, where I sit, if you look that way, you, walk that, you look down the hall, th- through the kitchen, down the hall to the rec room with the furnaces, and then my door, which is at the end of that hall to the right then. And then I'm eating a sandwich or something. And it wasn't out of the corner of my eye. I was actually looking for some reason down that hallway. And I'm looking down that way, and I saw a white boot. About that big, old-style boot. You know, it's probably like, whatever you would say, like, the way men would wear boots 100 years ago. <laughs> Old-timey boot. Old-timey boot. Happened to take... <laughs> the boot just took a step. I'll do It took a step, like, out of my vision from where the furnace was to the back room. And it wasn't a split second. It was a full, like, second... Here's the boot. Bip. And I didn't freak out because what are you going to do? You see a boot. Walk away. And then gathering, talking to my mom years later, she had said she'd seen the same thing. She'd seen this white old style boot walking around sometimes. But sometimes she said it was part of something else. You see part of a leg or some sort of apparition with it. Uh, whatever. Um, my sister, when I was in, I'm bouncing to a when I was in high school, uh, I was playing King of Junior Base. I'll never forget that. I had I had it in my in my room, my CRT monitor, that one, playing it. My sister opens the door up and he goes, Pastor, you just walk into your room. And I was like, No, I've been playing this for like twenty minutes. She said, I just saw someone walk into your room, I swear to God. And and uh so those sort of stories would happen. Even my father, who's a skeptic for this stuff, admits that he might have seen stuff, like begrudgingly admits that he might have seen stuff. And all that shit always happened. <coughs> For whatever reason, in my corner of the house, the last story, uh, at least the last experience that I had, even my mom still calls him time to time saying she's heard murmurings or whatever, is that um, this is before I moved um, out of the house when I was packing up close. Uh, during the day, which kind of makes it almost scarier during the day. I don't know why. Um, because you can't say, well, blame it on being dark or feeling weird. So my door was open, and then you can look out to the hallway t- past the bathroom, and there's a hamper there. So for some reason, something told me to look outside my room. I was like, I had my closet. And I looked outside my room, and the only feeling I could have was that the the whatever it was knew that I caught it being there. Like, it was conscious of me. Because I saw this black form about six and a half to seven feet high. It wasn't a total person. It was almost like a shadowy, like, picture like drawing a shadowy figure against a wall with like lines you can see sort of make out lines for a body legs and arms that's what it was um it, it actually went like that like it actually went like that like holy shit and then it zipped away past and the first thing i saw was holy shit i saw something and then i tried to figure out okay was this a shadow from a car in the street and where it was was that it w- a nude interloper where it was 
would be very hard because it wasn't close to it. it there was no window directly there that it could be a shadow from the outside. There was no window that sh- shined that. I caught something that was was obviously knew I was there and I saw it. So there's a couple other little stories. My father, he he'll kind of admit, but then doesn't want to talk about it, uh, stuff that he's seen. But there's just this collection of stuff, and it always goes back to the corner of the house, that area of the house. The white boot has been seen by me, my mom, maybe my sister, and it's just it's just really you can't explain it, but it is what it is. We've all seen it, and you can say we all see stuff out of the corner of our eyes, or we all have experienced something or other. But it's there. I mean, it's not like it's not something you want to make because people will say you're crazy, but we've seen shit in the house. And there's other stories too. I'm actually leaving out a few things, but that's those are, those are the highlights. So, I I have no stories. I don't believe in ghosts. I don't think people who say they've seen ghosts are outright lying. I don't think that at all. I think it's a matter of reinforced fears, and then shared experiences become more cemented, which makes it m- more likely that you're going to see something. Um, but yeah, I mean that said, I, I've had zero experiences like well, that in my life. There have been plenty of times where I've been scared. Uh, but, you know, it's nothing that's ever repeated itself, nothing that's ever happened, uh, you know, over and over. My mom says she's seen ghosts, and my mom is an incredibly, incredibly rational lady. Uh, so, I mean, obviously, there's something to it, but I, I believe it has, to, it, it's, 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 it's on the psychological front, not, not in a realm of reality. So it's a sort of cl- uh, shared hallucination over uh, years or something uh, to that effect? To a degree, yeah, something along those lines. I think it's just something that we can't measure yet. I, I think it's something that, like, um, I don't know, it's something like, you know, what's a good example? We always knew magnetism existed, you know, but we couldn't really measure, do anything with it for, you know, a ton of, a huge amount of human history, you couldn't measure it. You know, something like that. Uh, I, I think it's something like that where it's just beyond our sort of reasoning. Whether, I think it's a, um, I think it's just our energy. I think uh, people have energy inside them. Well, Yes. Uh, energy is released, I believe. Some sort of energy is released back into whatever the universe when we die. Um, but what happens to that energy? I don't freaking know. No one knows until you're dead. What happens to your energy? I don't know. I want to uh, be a tree. I just think that that could be an explanation of that this is some energy that's just f- still floating here instead of it should be somewhere else, but it still hangs around. That's, that's the best way I'm, I'm going to say it. And the only reason I want to say it's not sort of a reinforced shared experience is because it's not like we were happy that this stuff happened. I was terrified by the experience in my room. I'm not saying you time. have to want it to happen. Um, and it wasn't something we talked about with each other. That It's not like, it would, it's not like we'd all see something that happened all within like a week or two. This is stuff that happened like once every whatever, three or four years. It, it would happen again randomly. Sure. Um, so, so it's, I mean, it's not like a it's not like I'm moving in a haunted house. No, no, no. It's over just the course of it's, not like, it's not like you can predict what happened, but I'm a big instinctual person with my gut, and I'm telling you, I don't feel weird living here at Frank's house, at your place. I go back to my house. I feel fucking weirded out. I feel weirded out, especially when I'm home alone. Me and my sister, whenever my parents would go out at night, me and my sister would be alone. We would we would always have to be in the same room. We could not be, especially in the back room. If she left even to like go for a minute, you felt weird. It's always that you know the feeling when you're not alone. Yeah, that's the feeling. Well, real or not, the fear the fear is 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 real, and that's, oh, yeah. that's enough. Well, the feeling was real. Some people are curators. Some are collectors, but the hardest of the hardcore are collectionists. Enjoy this tale of the collectionist on this best of the CU podcast. All right, 
Ian. Yes. Do we have a live tales? Tales from from the game the store game store. All right, so I'm just sitting at work. This is about a, a week ago, and uh, this family walks in with their kid, almost adult son, their large adult son. I'm not sure. He looked like he was probably about 18. And he uh, comes up to the counter, and he's like, do you have Super Nintendos? I go, yes, I do. And I pointed to them. And his uh, mom asked, will these work on modern TVs? Smart question for a mom um, who probably, you know, hasn't played games in a while. And I said, yes, they do. I said, it's not ideal. And I said, we have, um, you know, these, these Retron consoles that will you know, do the job. Uh, they hook up via HDMI. They're new. Uh, the graphics will be clear, and the input lag will probably be lower than if you were running an SNES through AV. And the kid shakes his head and looks at me and goes, not going to do. I'm a, I'm a collectionist. I'm somewhat of a collectionist. Well, let's back up a second. Not a collector. No. A collectionist. A collectionist. Not a preservationist. Collectionist. A collectionist. Collectionist. And I had to bite my lips so freaking hard. So I looked at him, and at this point, it had been a long day. Um, been a while. I started to turn sour like a lemon drop inside. I felt my soul dying. So I was like, okay. And he was like, I'm just starting. I'm like, all right, I just wanted to make sure you know what you're getting into. There's going to be some input lag here. <laughs> Etc. So I go in the back and I grab a Super Nintendo and I hear the mom um, talking to him, being like, you know, I don't know if this is a good idea, et cetera, et cetera. You know, maybe you should get this other one. And once again, he goes, Mom, I'm a collectionist. Wait, wait what? Okay. <laughs> yes. He snapped on his mom. How, how old was this kid? I, he was anywhere between like 16 and 21. I couldn't tell. So in that awkward age where you still have to have your mom drive you places yeah, and he, put up with that, and, but, he right. was, but he was feeling his oats. He's like, all right, I'm a man. Oh, yeah, no, I'm no. my old man, Mom. He, I'm a collectionist. He had something to prove. I'm proving I, I can sit on my own, Mom. So I go and I get a Super Nintendo, and I put it on the counter, and he goes, is that official? And I go, yes, that's a Super Nintendo. <laughs> it was a standard Super Nintendo. Standard Super Nintendo. It wasn't a Model 2. And he goes, okay, just wanted to make sure. And he goes and he starts looking at games. And then he comes back and he picks up the Super Nintendo. And he's looking at it from every angle. And, and mind you, this was actually one of the nicer Super Nintendos that I've seen in a while. No fading. Everything no was, yellowing. Nope, everything was very clean. clean. And he goes, you know... I just, I'm particular about these things. I've heard about Chinese bootlegs. Bootleg Super Nintendo systems? Yeah. I mean, I mean, it, it, I mean, it didn't make any sense. And of course, of course, if it's a bootleg, it must be Chinese. You know, bootlegs don't come from anywhere else. It's like the fucking North Pole. That's where Santa resides. China is where all the bootleggers reside. So I go, yes. It's a real Super Nintendo. And he goes, okay. Well, I just, you know, wanted to make sure it looked right. <laughs> so I go in the back, 
and I go to get the cables for him. And he yells to me in the back room. He goes, do you have official cables? I'm like, yes. And I give him the Super Nintendo controller, and it's obviously a real Super Nintendo controller. And he goes, is this official or is this fake? And I said, I slipped a little bit. And I said, do you know what you're looking for? And he was like, yes, I'm a bit of a collectionist. So I bring him the cables, and he picks up the fucking cables and starts looking. And he's like, do you have any in nicer condition? He wanted good condition AV cables for the Super Nintendo? So I put them down, and I said, no. Um, I, I was like, these are the nicest ones I have. So then he goes back to the, the, the game case, and he starts looking at the games. And he goes, oh, um, he asked for, and, and sorry, it's not my favorite series. He said, I want, what's the title of Donkey Kong Country 2? Someone help me. Diddy Kong. Diddy Kong's Quest? Okay, yeah, that was it. He goes, um, can I get part three, Diddy Kong's Quest? And now I don't know the games that well, so I'm like, sure. And I go and I grab it, and I'm like, this is, that's the Dixie or Trixie one? Yeah, and I take it out, and I put it on the table, and he goes, no, I want Diddy Kong's Quest. And I was like, you just asked for part three. And he goes, well, no, no, put that back. He said, put that back. He said, I'll take Diddy, or D- Donkey Kong Country 2. So I grabbed it. And, uh, what of you was going to be wrong in that situation? <laughs> I, look, I got him what he asked for. He said, Whoa. Donkey Kong 3, Diddy Kong's Quest. And I was like, well, I don't know this stuff. So I got the Donkey Kong Country 3 that he asked for. Okay. You didn't look at the title on the cart, but okay. I just grabbed it. He, okay, he asked okay. for Donkey Kong Country I'm 3. Not, I'm just saying. I gave the brat Donkey Kong knew, Country 3. You knew this 3. kid was trouble. You know, you, you well, know he's a collectionist. He's a collectionist. I, I knew. Oh. I knew. <laughs> collectionists are like this. Yeah. Um, so, okay. yeah, then I rung him up. And uh, at that point, I just tuned out completely to whatever he was saying. I don't know what he was doing, stroking off in the store. Oh, come on, Ian. He's a collectionist. There's, there's children in the audience, oh, potentially. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, so, yeah, I rang him up, and uh, they left. And the mom was like, we'll be back. And I gritted my teeth. <laughs> the end. Okay. So, is that the first time? We have to, like... Make sure that we are defining this word for Miriam Webster, the collect what a collectionist is, because I've never heard this term in my life. <laughs> so when I, I, I 2019 I, August, the collectionist. I posted uh, a little bit of that on Twitter. I was just like, as I'm going, I'm like, this is wow, ridiculous. And uh, people kept coming at me with uh, other fake names, but the best <laughs> one was collectionaire. Collectionaire. Yes. <laughs> Like extraordinaire, but collection. Yes, air. exactly. So, yeah. so I'm going to do like a mashup of me and Gerard's, like my my face oh, they, with Gerard's they, they, uh, Someone actually did send that to me. They said uh, uh, Gerard the collectionist was Gerard what they the said. Yes. Well, that was interesting, Ian. Do you think he'll come back in the store when it once gets his own license and does have mom drive him anymore? Ma, <laughs> ma, I need to go to the collectionist place. <laughs> What has our generation done, Ian, with these kids? We made them collectionists. I normally like 
the kids who come into uh, the store to buy stuff. They're usually nice and interested. They ask questions. Mm-hmm. They know what they're talking about. Like, it's cool. You can tell they've done their work. I'm talking kids who are like 12 or 13. They're teaching their parents about this stuff. It's impressive. And those hormones kick in and they become collectionists. Yes. That's what happens. Something, something turns inside You start inside finding them. collectionists on get weird fun- places on your yeah, body. Yeah, they, they, you start getting tingly sensations when you touch certain uh, game cartridges. And it happens, Ian. It happens yes. to me. I mean, I think I was 12. It was early onset collection. Er, early onset collectionism. <laughs> that's what happened to me. Well, that's a, that was an interesting story, Ian. You're welcome. That's a, that was a good live Tales from the Game Store. Yeah. That's the end of this edition of Best of the CU Podcast. We'll see you next time.